Hello everyone, today's episode is number 142. Today's date is uh, 3... God, holy shit. March 17th, 2020. March 17th, 2020. Thank you, Jay. Uh, this is the Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jay Tottereo. Hello. How's oh my going? gosh, man. Are you all right? I'm, I'm doing good. Are you having a I thought it was. I thought it was bare, like, you know, hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm not. Um, this is sick? the. Uh, Are you coughing? You have a fever. I'm not coughing or with the fever. Uh, this will be blatantly obvious. Well, I mean, everybody already knows this, but I, I feel like I should mention it just for the sake of uh, people listening to this episode in the future. This is uh, in the midst, or I say the midst, at the beginning of the uh, coronavirus mayhem yeah. uh, as it hits the United States. So uh, yeah. maybe I'm a little, <laughs> maybe that's got me. I don't more than I thought it did. I don't know, or maybe I'm just maybe I'm just an, an idiot. Nah, but uh, the world is in shambles. I wouldn't say it's in shambles, but people are people are freaking out. I mean, understandably. And we, we, Robert and I, were kind of talking about this before we started the podcast. There's a lot of people that are reacting. They're scared. We get it, but there's a lot of people that are acting very selfish, which creates more more of a paranoia or more of a, what's the word pandemonium. Um, which just it's just kind of like a snowball effect, right? Because if, if everybody remains calm and just kind of does what they need to do, we're all good. But it's when people start doing very selfish things, it just starts to get worse and worse and worse. And I, at least we were kind of talking about this. I mean, here I live in Arizona. It's it's very challenging to get certain things right now, which is crazy to think about. And if this continues to get worse, which is possible, but hopefully not likely, uh, it's only going to get worse, which is really scary. I think and it's kind of I think it's likely to get. A good bit worse before it starts getting better. I, I highly doubt we're at the peak of it by any means. I hope. I, I mean, I know a number of companies are allowing their employees to work from home. A lot of major companies, which is great because that's going to help to smooth out the curve. If enough companies do that in the quickest amount of time, we should be okay. If, if enough companies do not, my concern is when the supply chain uh, starts to get impacted by you start having truck drivers getting sick. I think that's when we'll have some real trouble because. At that point, grocery stores are going to be out of resources, which means we're out of resources, and you know it just gets kind of scary at that point. So as long as people take this seriously, which for the most part people are, minus the people gargling bleach and licking toilet seats, we should be okay. <laughs> don't even please don't remind me. Yeah, uh, I mean gargling bleach is just natural selection, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean I yes, we're gonna come out of this. Um, it's just insane in the meantime, and uh, a lot of people are going to be hurting, you know, particularly people who, particularly poorer people, or people who aren't necessarily poor, yeah. but, you know, are, no, you know, pay te- no. paycheck to paycheck. You are right. Yeah, because they're going to be forced to go out into the world, and, and like, I totally understand. I mean, anybody who is elderly, I, I heard children are, like, very young children are okay with it. Yeah. It's primarily people with pre-existing conditions, autoimmune diseases, um, and elderly uh, are very susceptible to it, so... Um, to your point, I mean, people who are less fortunate, they generally will have to work and go out into the world and interact with other people. And, you know, people are gross. I mean, I, I work in an office with some pretty educated people, and I can tell you one in two people does not wash their hands after going to the bathroom. <laughs> so those types of people will shake your hand, they cough, they sneeze, whatever it is. It's like, oh, geez, you're in an elevator with them. So, yep, be safe. Yeah. Take, take precautions. Be safe. Be prepared to hunker down if you got to. If things get real bad and we all got to stay in our houses for a while. Yeah, that, that's Besides kind of what that. I was talking about, the challenging aspect. I mean, Lisa and I have been kind of talking about it. Like, is there anything else we should be doing? You know, because we didn't really take it. In, we didn't take it 
as serious as we probably should have initially. But we didn't do anything risky. I mean, you know, we're we're still good about the general hygiene piece. We just didn't start stockpiling stuff because we were like, you know, because the second you start doing that, it starts to create more issues. So I don't know. Yeah, I um a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, just in case, I can go buy a bunch of canned food. So yeah, I did go. I kind of did stockpile a little, no, not not crazy amount, but I went and bought a bunch of canned food and I ordered some like camping food as well. Um, so we've got some like you know a good bit of non-perishable stuff. I think if if we had to, we could probably stay in the house for a month without having to leave. Yeah, I, I, from what I'm reading online, people are suggesting two weeks. Make sure you have enough uh, medical supplies. So if you have medications and food for two weeks, that's that's what people are because it, it, there is a decent chance that we may have to do that in certain segments of the country, depending on how how it goes, where we may actually have to be stuck in our homes for a little while yeah it's, it just happened in a in in um san francisco yeah san francisco i know some people live there ohio uh from my understanding is on the verge as well new york's they talking are, about it yeah new york's talking about it. i know ohio closed down schools and restaurants and bars uh they're like on the verge of it which is just crazy and then you have florida did you see florida today uh-uh. <laughs> thousands of people on the beach if you all think you're one area Classic Florida. I mean, hey, at least Classic it's Florida. Florida. If any state's going to do it, it's going to be Florida. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're just going to, you know, nothing we can do besides sit through it and see what happens. At least we have video games. Hell yeah. Best time to play classic games. <laughs> Best time to play classic games ever. That's so true. So let's talk about, well, actually, oh, oh, sorry. First, before we do start talking about classic games, I want to give a shout out to uh, our listener, Jeff. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, S-I-F-L Jeff 8 or 08. I'm sorry. I don't remember offhand, but uh, he sent me some, uh, some Atari stickers that are really sweet. Oh, nice. It looks like stickers that probably came with original Atari games because they're not like, you can tell they're not like modern or like, you know, done in sort of like a throwback style. It looks like something that would have been in an Atari box. Like one of them is literally just the cover for the box, but it's just a sticker. And it's like got stuff that you wouldn't expect to be on a sticker. It's got like two players and like all this kind of stuff. So it like clearly looks like it was something that they just like threw together to throw in the box back then. Um, he got me a Missile Command one, a, uh, a Space Invaders and a ski, the, the, some ski ski game one so uh, those are really sweet i haven't put them on anything yet i think i'm gonna put one on my laptop and i'm thinking about getting a new guitar possibly in the near future and i think i'm gonna put the other one on the guitar case so uh just so you know that's what i'm gonna do with them jeff thank you those are super cool i appreciate them i'm definitely gonna put them on something um another quick thing before we get going on news is a reminder and I'll, I'll shout out another reminder at the end of the episode. Our game of the quarter will be next episode. Uh, and and that we talked about, we may possibly do that two weeks from now instead of our what's become our usual three weeks. So be prepared. Maybe go ahead and if, you're, if, if, you're, if you don't follow us on Twitter, go ahead and just have your, uh, if you want to send an email in about, about the games, do so by uh, two weeks from now. We'll be recording potentially on March 31st, so have it in by then. If we don't do it on March 31st, then it'll be three weeks, which will be uh, April 7th. But the game of the quarter, quick reminder, is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. It was a... uh, Huh? Very fun game. 
Yeah, it's really cool. It was a Game Boy Advance game. There's also a version on 3DS. That's the one I'm playing because I actually happen to already own it, and I had just not played it yet. So, uh, yeah, Mario Luigi Superstar Saga, Game of the Quarter. Uh, if you're a new listener, that's where Jay and I are both going to play the same game, and all of our listeners, uh, we give you a heads up. So if you want to play it and write in your thoughts about it, you can do so too. We can kind of all talk about it in, in that way. But uh, on to the news. So we actually have sort of a shitload of news this time, and ironically, not much of it actually has to do with um, coronavirus but there are two kind of uh, things that are related to that. I'll go ahead and get out of the way. One is that the TurboGrafx-16 Mini has not surprisingly been delayed because of all this shit. Um, it was supposed to come out March. It was supposed to come out in two days. Holy shit, I didn't realize that. It was supposed to come out March 19th, and it is not now. There's no new date for that. Uh, I'm sorry, for what, sir? TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Okay. And the, oh, and um, this isn't classic related, but it is related to the virus. Uh, E3 has been canceled for oh, this yeah. year. Everything. That's pretty huge. Um, and it, it's not surprising at this point, but, but this was canceled kind of, it seems like just before everything in the world started getting canceled or, or maybe right around the same time. So it was kind of slightly more shocking when it was announced. At this point, yeah. we're like, yeah, obviously, that's not going to happen. But it wasn't so obvious when they announced it. It was more like this company said they're not going to come just to be safe. Then this company said, you know, we're pulling out just to be safe, you know, with all the virus stuff going around. And then, like, a couple other companies. And then it was just, like, too much. And then it started also to kind of get serious. We're like, you know, maybe we sh- shouldn't just hold it, just shouldn't hold it anyways. Um, and eventually, they, they canceled E3. Now, you know, of course, so as I said, it's not... And as everybody knows, it's really not surprising. However, one of the big questions that I think a lot of people have now is, could this possibly be the last E3? Because Why would it be the last one? Well, E3's been dying anyways. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's been less and less relevant, um, you know, because people can host their own big press events and just do everything online. And it's not necessary anymore to have a big convention where everybody physically has to be in the same space. Um, gotcha. Big companies had already pulled. There, there were, and I can't even. I want to say Microsoft, but I might just be making that up. I, maybe Microsoft was specifically one of the ones who had not pull, pulled out. But like, there were, you know, big companies who had already decided not to go to it, or you know, to start start winding down on that, start pulling out. And now with this happening, everybody's kind of wondering if. This is sort of just going to be the last straw, especially if companies who, you know, were maybe kind of uh, kind of tiptoeing and on the edge, like, you know, weren't, you know, maybe considered pulling out in the future, but hadn't really thought about it. You know, you wonder if those companies now are going to, you know, now that they've been forced to pull out, if they're going to say, you know, take a look at things a year from now and be like, you know what, it didn't really, now that we, now that we spent a year not going, we've learned that it really wasn't necessary to be going. And it's a shitload of money for people to, uh, to show their stuff at E3. You know, that's like to have space on the floor and all that kind of stuff that they charge a fuckload for that. So, you know, a lot of people are wondering, are companies now going to realize, Hey, this really wasn't necessary all along. And we need to, you know, it isn't really helping us for, for how much it costs to go. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Je- uh, Jeff Keeley, he, he had he he's been doing it for forever, and he pulled out of it. He was another one. So yeah, people are wondering just if this is going to be the last kind of like you know the the, the final straw. And uh, and I, I think it very well could be. In fact, I might only say I expect that 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 this is going to be the end of E3. Hmm. But uh, but I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is that a substantial loss to you? No, I don't think so. For the same reason that everybody's questioning it, I just don't feel like it's super necessary anymore. You know, it used to be a big, huge event. Everybody wanted to hear what was coming out of E3. Everybody want you know if you could get a you know if you could somehow get a press pass and go, that was like gold. Um, it was super awesome. And nowadays, it's just like, yeah, they're they're making a bunch of announcements. It's cool to watch the announcements. But at the same time, who gives a fuck if you're watching it, an announcement coming from E3 or if, you know, Microsoft, for instance, just does their own big announcement thing. Yeah, 100%. Just like Nintendo does. Nintendo has the Nintendo yep. Directs. Um, and those are, I feel, just as fun to watch as, you know, watching a big press thing on fucking Ubisoft, you know, like jizzing over their own games and stuff like that. I just... I don't feel like it's going to be a huge loss, unfortunately. I feel like a dick saying that, but that's my honest opinion. I just don't, it just doesn't seem like a huge no, loss I, to me. I kind of feel the, the same way, so I was just kind of curious. Yeah. Um, on to uh, other things. So, all right, just, bunch, just kind of like a big download of lots of unrelated things. Oh, in fact, although I will say one more thing, um, and this kind of, this is going to kind of be a segue. So the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, they kind of surprised us with a with a demo. They dropped a demo, uh, oh, yeah. about two weeks ago, I think, and that was pretty cool. It seemed to have a good response. Um, it's it's free if you want to get on PS4 uh, and just yeah. Download I was gonna it. say it's only PS4 though. Unfortunately, I would have yeah. played it. You what? I would have played it if you it was on it, PC. Right. Um, I would you not have. Well, I have a PS4. I oh. did not because I just kind of want to wait and, and experience the whole thing all at once. I am interested. Uh, I'm I'm excited to, to play it when it does come out, but uh, but I'm more kind of like you know just give it to me all at once. I, I'm the I'm the type of person like when a new Star Wars movie comes out, I don't want to watch the trailers, for instance. I just like I just want to be surprised and and I just want it to you know you you get what I'm saying. Uh, so I didn't check it out but it does seem like it had a good response and that everybody was pretty pleased with it for the most part and that in fact i've got a question jay uh if i recall correctly uh final fantasy 7 the remake is going to have an option to do turn-based battles as opposed to kind of like the mmo style yeah you can do either one right okay yeah i think i think that's right um how are you planning on playing it uh I'm planning not to play it till after the first year comes out because I don't have a PS4, mm-hmm. and people are assuming it's going to come out for PC a year later. But I'm probably going to play it turn-based. At least I'll try both of them and see which one I like more. I, I still love turn-based. I think turn-based is super fun. I know a lot of people criticize it and say it's boring, but I still really enjoy turn-based combat. I do. Too. So if it's done well, I will definitely play it that way. If it's kind of janky or feels lazy, then I'll probably just switch back to whatever the main mode is. Okay, that, that's okay. That's kind of my plan too. Is just to I, I'm I really like turn-based also. So that's that's. That's what I'm planning on doing. You know, if, like you said, if it turns out to suck, if it feels like tacked on, they didn't do a good job with it, then, I, then I'm fine. 
starting over. Uh, but it seems like you have to choose from the beginning and then you're stuck with whatever you choose. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I thought you could kind of, I have a feeling they'll probably update that to be able to switch back and forth. Cause that seems insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could be wrong, but I feel like I read somewhere. It's like when you start the game, it asks you, do you want your playthrough to be turn-based or not? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think you might be right. I, I really haven't done that much research about it, to be honest with you. Like I'm excited about it, but I'm not like reading every single news article and, right. you know, going all, all in on it. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I just hope my only hope, the only thing I'm slightly worried about is like, is this going to slow the game down and add tons of hours to it or something? But, uh, oh, the turn base? probably, probably, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm planning on, 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 on doing. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, okay. And this was the other thing I was going to say about that is it's, this hasn't, I haven't read this anywhere in the news and I checked other sites. Um, but so I don't know if this is the case. It's possible that final fantasy seven has also that the remake that this remake has been delayed again. Uh, because of what's going on right now. Yes. Because about an hour ago, I got an email from Amazon saying that, uh, so I, I went ahead and pre-ordered this oh, good um, for you. Okay. because I'm going to, I'm going to play it. Whether it's good or bad, at least I'm going to play it some just so I can talk about it on the podcast. Otherwise, you know, I, I always say don't pre-order stuff. But in this case, I was going to play it. I'm going to play it anyways. Um, about an hour ago, I got an email from Amazon that said the uh, the date for this is the release date for this has changed. Uh, we have no date for it at this time. Wow. Just heads up. So I don't know if that's just Amazon, if they're having, you know, issues just with their, you know, shipping, are supply well. and shipping. Yeah. I don't know if it's an Amazon problem or if Final Fantasy VII is being delayed. Probably um, a combination of both. If I had to, if I had to guess, I would guess both. Very be well, could be, or it could just be either. I mean, it could. You know, Japan's going through shit right now too. It could just be yeah, they're having trouble uh, manufacturing enough copies. I don't know. So, uh, again, this is just based on an email I got. I don't know if that's for everybody, but that's uh, looks like that may possibly be the case. Coronavirus has gone too far. <laughs> Breaking news here at the Classic Gaming Podcast. Um, <laughs> okay, this is pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, Japan's national broadcasting company. I read this on Destructoid. Uh, it's like NHK or something is what their their broadcasting company is called. Uh, it's like public broadcast in Japan, I believe. They did a Final Fantasy poll. Among their viewers, and it was, what is the best Final Fantasy game, and what is the best Final Fantasy character? Uh, does like it Say was like again? a the, they did a they did a poll. Yeah, I got that part. For the best Final Fantasy game and the best Final Fantasy character, and this wow. is just among you know like normal people in Japan. It's not like uh, that's my understanding at least. So it's really interesting f- for me to see this coming from like a purely Japanese viewpoint. Um, okay. what do you think? And I've got a list of all the results here. They have, I don't know if there are more than 30 final fantasy games, but they have the top 30 final fantasy games in order of like their, how they were voted and the top, uh, 75 characters. What do you think was the number one of each? Ooh, I was a little bit surprised. I'll say, I'll say that. Well, okay. I was surprised by one of them. I don't know. Uh, do I, so can you, sorry, so this, the, the thing you're asking me, is it the character or the title? But they're the separate things. So first. Oh, so it can be, okay, for, first, okay, which one are we doing first? First, uh, just do game. 
Probably best, seven. I would imagine it's probably the most popular one. Seven was number two. Number one was what? Ten. It was, it was ten. Okay. That surprised me a little bit. I would have thought ten would be two or three. So I would. I'm not super surprised by that because they've remade ten so many times. It has to be one of their highest growth. That's a good ones. point. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. What okay. about character? Well, if it's ten is the most popular, I would think it's probably from that game. So it's it's got to be who? Is it Riku? No. Hmm. Riku is not even. I don't even. I'm not even. Riku is 27. Okay. It should be this is this is what don't don't overthink this one. This one it should be obvious. I mean, is it Cloud then? Yeah, it's Cloud. Okay, okay. All right, well, so that- the so final so in order, I'm not going to go through all of these, but ten was ranked number one, seven was ranked number two, six was ranked number three, four was ranked number four. Not not too surprising after you get ten out of the way. The yeah. rest of these kind of fall in place. Um, fourteen was ranked number five. That's pretty interesting. I didn't see that before. Um, final Fantasy Tactics was eleven. Wow, that's behind fifteen. Behind fifteen, behind eleven, behind. Uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I said that. Holy shit, I was wrong. I said that Final Fantasy four was ranked number four. That was wrong. I, I don't know what I was looking at. Number four was Final Fantasy nine. Okay, um, nine is a really good game. Oh, eight's the one that you hate, isn't it? Yeah, eight's the one that's terrible. Well, Final Fantasy Tactics is behind just about every single numbered Final Fantasy game besides one, two, and three. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that combat style, so like I, I get that. Tactics? Yeah. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was pretty surprised that Final Fantasy two was ahead of was far ahead of Final Fantasy one. I thought two sucked, and I thought one was pretty good. Two was yeah. Ranked, I'm surprised by that too, actually. Yeah, two was ranked eighteen. Num- number one was ranked twenty four. Wow. Um, 24. Wow. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, the very last one, last place was Final Fantasy Record Keeper. That's like an iOS game or a mobile. I yeah, I played that game. It was cool for two minutes and then it was like the dumbest thing ever. Okay. It was, so obvious. It was, it was like such a sellout. Like just, I don't know. It, it wasn't the worst thing ever, but it's pretty bad. I mean, it's just a mobile game with a bunch of microtransactions. You gotcha. Know. Uh, 29 was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time. Wow. Um, I won't go through all of these, but those are kind of the notable ones, I thought. Um, Final Fantasy 11 was number nine. Okay. Best Final Fantasy characters. Number one was Cloud Strife. Two, this one was a little surprising to me, at least. Uh, Yuna. Yeah. People really like her. Huh. Uh, Aerith is number three. Sounds about right. Vivi Ornitir from nine. Uh, yeah, is I was wondering how, how far he was going to be down that list. People really, oh, that's a I, guy. I love Vivi too. Vivi's a great character. To my knowledge, yeah. They didn't have voices in nine, so I assumed that Vivi was a boy. Uh, Titus is seven. <laughs> Tifa is nine. Sephiroth is 11. I thought I would have thought he'd be a little higher. Yeah. I can see that as well. Um, Auron is 15. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not higher. I was wondering when you were going to mention him. Yeah. Uh, Celeste is 19. I'm not reading all these. I'm just kind of looking through and picking the ones that stick out. Um, Ject is 34. That's kind of interesting. What? Yeah. 
It's not a character. Like, I mean, he's a character, but he's not like a playable character, you know? No, it's, I don't think it has to be because Sephiroth is, well, I guess Sephiroth is technically playable for part of it, but I don't think it's just playable characters. That's true. It's all characters. Um, let's see. Just I'm just skimming through here real fast to see if there's any. Red 13 is number 50. Waka, wow, I really like him. I don't remember him having much of a character. I know he talks and stuff, but I thought he was basically just an animal that has a few lines. I didn't remember much Waka, about him. Red 13 story is incredible. It's so good. I guess I just don't remember shit about it then. I, I remember he was in 7. I love 7, but I don't remember much about the story. Waka is 53. Good. He deserves to be at the bottom. He's such a trash character. Lulu, 60 like a... Lulu is 62. It's about right. I feel like Waka and Lulu should be around the same point. Like, I thought Lulu such... was cool. No, they're both just like really simple one-track characters that ha- they serve one purpose. Waka's entire purpose is to be obsessed with religion and look really stupid. And Lulu's whole purpose is to look really cross and angry and act like everybody else is just stupid and compared to her. I don't know. Yeah, but she was I, at least kind of a Waka. badass. Yeah, I'll give you that much. I mean, she was interesting. She was more interesting than Waka, but I mean, fucking one of the side characters that doesn't even talk is more interesting than Waka. <laughs> yeah. I just get... I get so tired. Of, I like last time I played through, I literally just was like, "Is there a code to mute Waka?" Like the stuff. He's, <laughs> <A> code. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just there's some really good characters in that game. Like Jack is one of me. Jack's an incredible character. Um, who else is like really interesting outside the main group? Sid. I mean, all, from all, Final Fantasy VII specifically, is fifty nine. Sid is interesting. I played when I played Seven last time. I realized how simplistic and how short his story is, and I was really disappointed with it because I think he's a really great character, and they could have done a lot with him. Sid in Ten was really good. I really liked Sid in Ten. They did some. I feel like they did a great. Oh, I don't job. remember him in Ten. He's like this really me- mechanical, mechanical type person. It's just like I feel like Sid's character in Ten. It was great to see him grow too, because initially he like hates people, and then he starts to grow, and and he starts to help Yuna, and it's just like. I feel like there's some growth in that. That's what I look for with characters is like, is um, authentic growth. If characters authentically grow, it's great. I'm kind of surprised Sid from final fantasy 14 is not on here. Cause he's, he's pretty awesome in 14. 14. Is that the, uh, I, I, I haven't, I don't remember him in that at all. He's, he's got a pretty major part uh, in it. And, I'm kind of surprised he's not on here. I thought he was super cool in it. Anyway, number seven, the last one, number 75 is Arania Highwind from 15. Uh, uh, I have not played 15. Number oh, 70, I know I did not play. Number 74 is Freya Crescent from 9. Nope. Nope, not ringing a bell. What about, no, you know, no, I don't remember the last one that I'll, that I'll discuss. 73 is Selfie Tillmit from 8. Yeah, selfie. Uh, she's a jump rope girl, I want to say. Jump rope girl, girl. okay. I think so. <laughs> okay. I'm not seeing... Um. Okay, there is a final... There. Okay, there are a couple final... Okay, Ramza is 36. Ramza's a crazy character. I don't. I Honestly, though, I love Ramza. Like, I think Ramza's a great character. Delita and... Oh, shit. Who's his... The girl he ends up with? Those two are, like, some of the best characters in that freaking game. Oh, my God. I, I Like, that tears me apart every time I play that game. Yeah. Their love story is just so good. The dialogue is amazing how it ends. Delita's a great character. He's a character that goes through crazy growth, and then he degrades, and then he grows again. It's just, like... He he feels authentic to me. Like I feel like he is a a real human in my, in my opinion. Hmm. 
Okay, sweet. Well, uh, anyway, I just thought this was pretty cool to see, like, from a Japanese standpoint, what they think are the best games and characters and stuff. I thought it was interesting. That's very interesting. That's cool. Yeah, so I don't know more of these characters. I, I obviously love Final Fantasy, but I haven't played a lot of the newer ones. Yeah. And even some of the ones I have played, it's like it's challenging for me to remember specific characters. Oh, same here. I'm really bad about remembering characters and even storylines on some on some games, especially if it's been a while since I've played them. I really don't remember much about the story from Final Fantasy VII as much as I love it. I, yeah, like last time I played it, I, I always forget the story of Seven. Like, I really like Seven as a game, but the story is kind of, I, I, no, it's not kind of, it's very bumpy. And they did is it? they did the patented, yeah, it, it gets, it's very good for the first two discs, I feel like. It makes okay. some sense, and then they kind of go off on this tangent, and you're like, okay, I'm still kind of on board. And then disc three, they're like, hey, this other stuff's going on. You're like, okay. And then it gets really crazy, and they're like, okay. And, and you just get <laughs> a little, little weird. Okay. I don't know. That, that's kind of how I capture seven in my mind. Every right. time I play it, I'm always surprised at how how many holes there are in the plot. It's still a great game, but there's definitely some some missing things for me. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, more news. Black Mesa has been released. This is a um, oh, wow. yeah. This is the fan made, basically remake of the original Half Life. They just made it in the. Uh, I think. I think they made it. They remade it in the Source engine, which is which is a uh, Valve's engine that they use for Counter Strike Source, and I'm sure they probably use it for Half Life Two. I guess, but I can't. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. It's not something that I really keep up with. But basically, it's Half Life with better graphics and stuff. I've got to play this. I, I've wanted to play Half Life again for a long time, and this just makes it so much easier. Yeah, it's twenty bucks on Steam. Um, not bad. It's been in development for 15 years. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> I mean, it is just a fan project, so that's why. But uh, still, that's crazy. I mean, good for them. Yeah, cool. Uh, Ducktales remastered is available once again. Finally, some this, good news. This game—I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, but that is good I'm news. Being sarcastic. Okay, this game was fucking amazing. I've heard that. That that that. Yeah, I just not something that I like. And was super waiting for anything like Holy that. Holy shit. I don't know if you remember, but I talked about... I bought this right before it was delisted last year. <laughs> and played it and fucking loved it. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. It is such a... It is just a beautiful game. And, uh, it's you know, I, I really did like the, the... Did you ever play the NES one back in the day? Is that the one where you bounce on his cane? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have played it. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah, so... I really liked it when it originally came out, and the remaster just absolutely blew me away. Wow. It is so... I cannot... I cannot tell you how good it is. It is just... It, it takes everything from the first one and just wraps it in this amazing... The graphics are lush. The music is as good as it, as it was originally, but just, you know, a little bit, a little bit different, more modern. Uh... It is, you know, that's not to say it's the music is better or worse. That the original, the, the kind of like yeah. chip tune quality of the original has its own charm, which I absolutely love. But I just love both of them in their own ways. But this one, it, it just blew me away. I yeah. highly recommend it, uh, no matter who you are. <laughs> uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake producer. This is a. This is uh, news that was on IGN UK. Okay. Apparently, there was a... Uh, let's see. There was an interview <laughs> with... 
I don't know how this happened, but so the director oh, and so he was the director of the original Final Fantasy VII, uh, Yoshino, Yosh, Yoshinori Kitase. He was the director of the original Final Fantasy VII, the producer of the of the Final Fantasy VII remake. It said, "This is the quote from IGN." Katasi said this during an interview with Japanese wrestler Kenny Omega for the official Square Enix YouTube channel. <laughs> so I don't know how this that came title. up. <laughs> but anyway, this he said that um, he thinks it would be a good idea to do uh, a Parasite Eve remake. Oh please! Is that a good game? I want. I've been wanting to play I, it. I really enjoy Parasite Eve. It's a it's a unique perspective. I mean, take uh, so this is is my rough memory on it because it's been a minute uh it is take like a a resident evil type game uh but you also add um class rpg not class rpgs but your character levels up almost like dino crisis if i remember correctly your character levels up they have an experience bar i think you have mana for abilities as well it's a very unique perspective uh and it some of the monsters are visually stunning like very cool looking so yeah i've actually wanted to play that again for the podcast for a while i just haven't yeah. Same here. I, well, I would want to play it for the first time for the podcast, but I've always thought it looked really cool, like visually, like you said. Um, yeah, they did two of them, two of them or three of them, I think, as well. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure there are at least two. So anyway, uh, yeah, he said that he thinks that would be a good idea. That'd be kind of cool. Hundred percent on board with that. Doom sixty four is available on Steam for free if you pre-purchase Doom Eternal. Did you see the reviews of that game? Doom Eternal. <laughs> Yeah, it's, the reviews are really good so far. I'm not going to play it. I, I like Doom games, but it's not enough to you know warrant me purchasing it. Uh-huh. But the reception of it's apparently pretty damn good so far, from what I've seen. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the reviews. I've seen some of the previews and stuff and stuff they've been showing, and it looks super killer. It looks like they're doing a really good job with it. Um, the the one that they released, I guess it was 2016, was uh was that that long ago? I think it was. Yeah, it was. That's they crazy. they nailed it. They 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 did an awesome job on that. It was a great game. Um, this one, it seems like they're, it looks, you know, along those same lines, it looks super awesome. The things that they've said they're improving all sound good. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just another awesome game. It's crazy. I mean, every com- every company right now is just producing amazing remakes and there's no problems with some of the games that have been remade in the last year. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? How like, I mean, think about that compared to movies, for instance, a lot of times when you remake a movie, it turns out to be like, it basically ends up losing all the charm of the original. But I, I was being sarcastic, but I do agree with you as well on that piece in that front. Well, that, but, was, that was a shot at Blizzard. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Well, forget <laughs> yeah, Blizzard. Yeah, forget about them for a minute. A lot of companies are do, doing pretty good remakes. It seems like yeah. um, that was a cheap shot at Blizzard. That was yeah. Uh, besides Blizzard, of course. So anyway, if if you're planning on getting Doom Eternal, you might want to. I don't. It's not clear if Doom sixty four is going to be available on Steam through other means. If you don't. You know, pre-purchase oh, Doom that would Eternal? be so shady if they did that. I hope they don't. I hope do that. not too. But like, there's no. It didn't have any other options right now. Like, and you can't even get. You don't even get it yet. It's like pre. It's got its own listing, but then to, when you where it normally has a buy button, it just says like pre-order yeah. Doom Eternal. So oh, you would think you would think oh. that if they're going to go through the trouble to port it, then they would at least they would just sell it. Yeah, then they would sell it. Yeah. But. So maybe this is, you know, it's free if you pre-purchase and then later you can buy it. Hopefully that's the situation. If not, middle finger, yeah. So speaking of uh, remakes, uh, <laughs> Command & Conquer Remastered Collection has been announced. And you and I were talking, this is kind of like uh, 
the, well, I guess it's EA owns owns it now, right? It's kind of like EA. I b- believe so. Yeah. Big dicking um, <laughs> Blizzard. <laughs> yeah, and and they've done so. My understanding, for based on the research that I've done on it, which is a decent amount on it, they took a lot of feedback from people, and they spent a lot of time trying to balance the game better because some of the older RTSs generally have some issues, right? Uh, they spent a long. The visuals look really good. They did a good job of adding new features and balancing the game. Apparently, oh, and I didn't know they it, they rebalanced it at all. They spent a lot of time on this, and it looks really good. I'm actually very excited for it. I, mean, I obviously I love RTS, so but I'm probably going to give this a shot. I mean, more than likely, um, it looks really good. Not just the visual standpoint, but the gameplay actually looks really good. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it looks awesome. It's it's going to have the original Command and Conquer uh, and Red Alert 1 and all of the expansions for both of those. It does not have Red Alert 2, however. Unfortunately. But. It's got the same... It's also got the same uh, FMV acting live-action yeah, cutscenes. It. It's upscaled, but it's the same cutscenes. <laughs> I love it. Those cutscenes always get me going. They're famously cheesy uh, and amazing. So this is supposed to come out June 5th. I'm pretty psyched about this. I am as well. I used to freaking love these games. Me too. I used to play the shit out of them. I could never beat most of them as a kid, so I'm excited to give it another shot. Yeah, see, these were the first RTS games that I ever played, far before I ever played anything from Blizzard. I think that was my first as well. Yeah, I think that was probably my first RTS. So speaking of Blizzard, uh, the Warcraft 3 Reforged, they had a tournament at DreamHack... I didn't even hear about this. And That's apparently crazy. it was an, an absolute disaster because of disconnects. <laughs> well, we want land. You remember that back in the day? We want land. <laughs> yeah, no, the technology is just not there. <laughs> that Shocker that Blizzard. Oh, my God. Uh, there, were a, there was apparently a five-game series between Moon and Thorzane. I know You're you, kidding. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, maybe some of our listeners don't know who those are, but Jay and I both do. They were They're, they're big rts players um moon was either the first or second best warcraft 3 player when it was a major esport it was him and grubby to my knowledge yeah well they had to restart like three different times near the end of games like near the end of the game it, it, it disconnected they had to start all the way over yeah, super embarrassing. And it wasn't just them, it was other people too, but they were like the most notable ones that happened to so many times and you know, the highest profile matches, I believe. How embarrassing. <laughs> I'm serious. Man. They are they just cannot do anything right. No. That's 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 so sad to hear. They mm-hmm. got Moon Play Warcraft three. And oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> yep. oh, play. oh, you know why he probably didn't play? Because he he mad dogged that game. Oh, Grubby. Oh, yeah, yeah. You told me about that. He went off on it. It was hilarious. Yeah. What else we got here? Oh, GOG. They have a new refund policy. Is it a good one? Please tell me. GOG's always good. It's a very good one. It's a very, 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 very lax one. Starting now, you can get a full refund up to 30 days after purchasing a product, even if you've downloaded, launched, and played it. That's it. This is a quote from their website. That's it. It's important for us to say that this update is possible thanks to your respect for all the time and hard work into creating the games you buy on GOG.com and playing by the rules. We're grateful for that and encourage you to continue to do so. 
Ah, this is why I love supporting GOG. <laughs> they did say... Yeah, seriously, anytime yeah. I'm like, I'm going to buy a game, yeah. I was like, oh, if it's on GOG, I'm like, fuck it, I'll buy it. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, same here. The only the only time nowadays that I that I buy from Steam over GOG is, you know, obviously if it's, it's only on Steam. On yeah, basically if it's <laughs> yeah. not available on GOG. Or if, it's, if it just happens to be on sale at that time, uh, only on Steam. Or if uh, sometimes for... Like multiplayer focus games, I'll just buy the Steam one because because their multiplayer infrastructure yeah, is a little yeah, bit more. Servers are easy to get a hold of too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but all things equal, I will always go for GOG over Steam. Um, so yeah, it doesn't matter how long you've played it or if you've downloaded all this blah 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 for up to thirty days. If you have a problem, you can get a refund. Um, they did oh, say God. like. You know, if it looks like you're abusing this, if if it's if your refunds start to look suspicious, sure. basically if you ask for a shitload of them, then they might start, uh, you know, kind of using their own discretion and denying some. Understandably. But, uh, yeah, understandably. But, uh, I mean, they've given us no reason to believe that they're going to, you know, abuse that in any way. So uh, I, I, I definitely trust Gog on this. Based on yep. their, you know, they've been very consumer centric in the in the past, so uh, it seems like they're just moving forward with that. So yeah, very impressive by them. Um, let's see what else. More stuff. Wasteland Remastered has been released. This is the original 1988 uh, Wasteland game. It's basically just got better graphics and sound. It's on GOG and Steam. Tiger Electronics. You remember those? The little handheld things. Yeah, vaguely. They are re-releasing some of those. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. These are the little handhelds that basically just have uh, um, little LCD screens where it's like, you know, uh, very, like, it's only, like, part of the screen. How, how do you describe it? Like, if, like... Your character, say, he can walk from one end of the screen to the other. It's not pixels being animated. It's just certain parts of the screen lighting up to show him here and then there. So it's very, like, uh, static animations for... for yeah. I can't think of a better way it. to describe it. Um, I still have a bunch of these. these old do you really? Uh, I have, like, a Street Fighter... I think Street Fighter or Street Fighter 2 one. Wow. Which is really yeah. So yeah, these were very, very, very limited, and uh, as far as their, you know, the playability that they offered, as far as the gameplay that they offered. Uh, but they, you know, they had those back in the day. If you didn't have a Game Boy or something, you might have a Tiger Electronic to kind of keep you busy during car rides or whatever. Yep. Well, so, only if you had street lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, they are re-releasing these. Uh, Hasbro. It says uh, this is from Engadget.com. Hasbro will release four LCD games this fall. The Little Mermaid, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Transformers Generation 2, huh? I had a Sonic one as well. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yep. And X-Men And X-Men Project X. <laughs> the company says <laughs> the games are inspired by their original counterparts. So these are all original titles that they had. And they're basically re-releasing these. I don't know what it, what inspired by means. You know, it seems like they're going to be making either. some changes, but probably not too much. This seems like this seems kind of dumb to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it does seem like kind of. I mean, they, they these are not amazing games. These no. were cool at the time, but they are not worth any amount of money. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, if they're if they're free, I might grab one. But if they're not, then yeah, probably pretty good. <laughs> I could. No offense. But. These, to me, seem like they're aimed at people that have nostalgia for this old stuff, but yeah. don't really, but don't really play games anymore. 
It's yeah, like, I could see that. I could buy one for, you know, like my friend who hasn't played games in 15 years. He's like, oh, shit, I remember these things. And he doesn't have yeah, 100,000 better games to play. I could totally see that, actually. That's funny. But not for, like, people who actually play games. Even even you and me who play a lot of retro stuff, there's no, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, two more things. Uh, Blade Runner Enhanced Edition has been announced. So Blade Runner is a point-and-click adventure game. A very Supposedly a very, very, very good one. I've never played it. They just re-released the original on GOG a few months ago, and I haven't gotten around to to playing it yet, though I hope too soon because, it, like I said, it's supposed to be awesome. And I've been wanting to play it for you know for a long time. But now uh, there's an Enhanced Edition also coming out. This is interestingly reported by uh, by Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it says, Hollywood Reporter, the game will feature uh, updated character models, animations and cutscenes, as well as widescreen resolution support. So uh, just kind of like a, you know, it's it's a kind of like a remaster, basically, of, of the original. So potentially pretty cool. I'll probably still be just going for the... Uh, the original anyway, just because I kind of want to see what the original was like. But if you're a big fan of the game, you've already played it before, this probably sounds like it could be a good good way to go. Cool. And finally, uh, another not really, not, well, I guess it's a little bit, I guess it is kind of classic related. Uh, Lego Mario has been announced. Did you see this? No, I didn't. But that, that just seems like a, a very smart money grab. You know what I mean? It does, but I don't know if it looks the coolest. So this is not a Lego Mario video game. This is a Lego Mario Lego set. Oh, um, that's different. That's different, yeah. And just here, Jay, check this out. Um, it doesn't look that cool to me. I'm going to be honest with you. Do you like my wall of spam in the chat? By I the love way? the spam of spam. Do you know why that's there? <laughs> so about- you don't have to look at Foxman. Yeah. <laughs> Take a second and watch this, if you will, Jay. Okay, this is pretty cool. I mean, I would never buy this because... So, I really love playing with like Legos and Kinects, but what I hate is pre like pieces that are only accessible to one set concept. I love just like taking Kinects or Legos and just doing creative things with it. With these types of pieces, I would hate to have this as a kid because <laughs> you can only do one thing, which is build this. It is really cool. This seems like something adults are going to want more than kids, though. See, I feel the opposite. So I I'm a, I love Legos. I'm I am looking at my shelves right now. I have four or five Lego sets that I'm just looking at right now in my office. Okay, yeah. I, I I'm a big fan. And now it looks like they are doing something new and different with this Lego set, which I applaud. But it doesn't look like something that I would be interested in. What it is, if you haven't seen it, it's basically instead of building fucking Bowser's castle or like Mario's or like a Mushroom Kingdom castle or something like that. It's um and, and it doesn't even explain fully entirely what it is, but basically what it yeah. is is you build a little min- miniature Mario course, and it it's not even that cool look. I mean, yeah. the course itself, the set, it's, cool. yeah, the set itself doesn't look that awesome. It's got some cool pieces. It's got some Goombas, and they're not like uh regular Lego minifigures. They're like kind of their own thing. They're a little bit bigger. Mario is kind of kind of like a palm-sized piece. It looks like, you know, not just a piece, but it looks like you kind of put them together to some extent. Same with the Goombas, maybe. And 
again, the video doesn't explain everything, but it makes it clear that you build these little courses and then Mario is actually, actually electronic and he has a, he has a little electronic display on him and you do, you, you do things like when you smash him on top of the Goomba piece, for instance, it can like sense that and, you, and it shows a little coin pop up on this display on Mario and you show, it's got little other things where you go and hit blocks and every time you kind of like smash the piece on a block, it gives you another coin and it seems like there's some sort of time limit of some sort. So one way or another, they're making some sort of, uh, like they're, they're giving you pieces to build a little course of some sort for Mario to go through. Um, and you know, you get, I guess you do it in some amount of time and get some points based on, I don't know what criteria. Very cool idea. I don't know if it's going to be fun. We don't have enough information for that yet. But for me, when I'm when I'm buying Legos, I care about one thing, and that is how cool is this going to look on a shelf? Interesting. And this this My is isn't, how many pieces can I get? You what? How many pieces can I get? <laughs> I love like pieces, I, I like total pieces, like, or you mean like like figure pieces? No, total pieces. I'm not a big person of like pre-built. Like pre, uh, gotcha. like pre-designed stuff. I got gotcha. I really like just coming up with my own kind of stuff. So okay, so this kind of, this concept kind of bores me. Like the, the the what we're looking at here. Yeah, it's mostly just a flat. It's not like a super cool looking course. It's like a flat course that just kind of branches out in weird ways, and it's, it's not like something that you can even pick up and move around. It's like you would have to disassemble it to move it around. You know the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't look like it's it's not something that that would display well either. It doesn't particularly look that cool. It's just purely like built for whatever this kind of little game they're making out of it is. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's you're you're saying what I'm trying to say in a much better fashion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it's one 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 mold. Like you can't do anything beyond what the box is intending to do. That that's what kind of irritates me about it. So, I don't know. I, I I'm not interested. I showed my daughter this and she said she thought it looked really cool. Um, you know, that's just a little anecdote. Take it for what it's worth. But uh, it's not doing it for me. It doesn't it doesn't deliver what I want in, in Legos. So uh, talk about the creativity thing. So my work very quickly at the end of last week gave us the authorization for everybody to work from home. One of the issues is we don't, they, I got to take home monitors with me, but I don't have, they don't have monitor stands. They are, they're basically mounted to the desks. <laughs> right. So I bring on these monitors and they're like, yeah, sorry guys, you got to kind of stand them up or figure them out. So today and yesterday I've been working on building monitor stands out of connects. Oh, That's the hell Yeah. And I'll show it to you when I'm done, if if I end up doing it, because I've I just been working on my laptop for two days, because it's just I'm kind of lazy and honestly like got a lot going on. But uh, if I do if I do finish, I'll send it to you, because it's just like I love that kind of stuff. Where it's like can with connects in particular. And the funniest part is, so I'm going through. I have like a wa- uh, like a wash basket full of connects, and I left some of the stuff that I built when I was younger. And the constructions that I came up with were really impressive. Like some of the structures that I built are extremely durable. Like I, I was like, really? I was really amazed with how I, yeah, like, I remember working on some of it and, and, you know, testing and trying different things to try and come up with like the most durable building that I could. And I came up with some pretty good concepts and then I made a working bow, like an actual working bow. It's not like, like an amazing bow and arrow type bow. Yeah, I know. I, I, no, no, I, no, I, no, I can hear, sorry. I could hear myself echoing very, very loudly on my headphones. Oh, first. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So it's like a bow and arrow type bow. 
Yeah, it was. I, I disassembled it yesterday because I needed the pieces from it. But uh, yeah, it was like fully functioning. And the, the craziest part was is the centerpiece that kind of holds it all together. Like the edges actually were able to bend inward, even though the pieces are plastic, just kind of with the way I built it. And then the uh, the middle piece was so durable because obviously it has to be because it's got a lot of pressure on it. I was just like, holy shit, dude. Like I spent a lot of time. I remember doing it. It's, it's not like it could shoot more than probably 15 feet, but it's still cool, right? Because it connects and... I don't know. It's just yeah. kind of interesting. Huh. Okay. Anyways. So, um, yeah. Okay. That's we it. We from the most random tangents, by the way. <laughs> that's what I like about. That's what I like about doing this podcast. Uh, that's news. That's all there is for news. That's it. Just those. Just those several things. Okay, Jay. I've been talking for a, a while now. Why don't you tell us about what game or games, singular or plural, you've been playing these past three weeks? Yes. Yeah, so let, let's let's start by saying this. Have you um, have you did you pick or have you played one or two games for the podcast? Two. Perfect. So let's uh, let's alternate because I have two as well. Hell yeah! Let's do it, boy. Of, I thought that'd be kind of. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. So uh, my first game is gonna be kind of short. So maybe I'll do that last then. Do it first. Do the short a, one a first. Buffer. Do the short one first. Okay. Um, so after our little stint of playing Final Fantasy One, um, I went back and I replayed it and I beat it. Uh, Final Fantasy One from start. Yes. Oh shit. So I, I, yeah. So, but here's the fun part. So I played it for the regular Nintendo. I didn't play the PlayStation One remake. And That's what I played. I, I played a regular Nintendo. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Then we got to talk about this because I <laughs> was. Very, I was surprised at how challenging this game was. Okay. Challenging because, so when I played the PS1 version, I think that's the one I originally beat. I don't know if I beat the NES one back in the oh, day. Oh, okay. Have. So I, the, the PlayStation 1 version is, there's a lot of quality of life things that are obviously better. Uh, a lot of the spells work. There's, I think there's some sort of ability to save at certain times. And on top of that, <laughs> my understanding is the game's a little bit smoother in terms of a difficulty curve. Tell me they uh, fixed uh, potion buying so you can buy more yeah, than one at a time. I believe so. Holy <laughs> shit, that is like the most annoying. I, I had, at least I had fast forward because I, I was using an emulator. So I was able to like fast oh, right. forward and just stand <laughs> through it. Because you have to do it like... 30 or 40 times throughout the game. Uh-huh. Um, so what Robert and I are talking about, so Final Fantasy 1 obviously came out in 80, 87, 88, I think. Is it? Uh, let me Google it. Something like that. Maybe 89? Yeah. Uh, I want to say 89. I'm going to say 87. 87. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, so uh, NES game, obviously the very first Final Fantasy. We've talked about this. I'm not going to go super super down the rabbit hole with that because Robert and I have talked about it a few times, and even recently in the podcast. But one of the, um, you know, they tried to do a bunch of different things with it, and one of the things that kind of fell to the side was potions. You can buy potions for I think it's like 30 gil. Uh, at a certain point, gil just doesn't even matter. You have more money than you'll ever need to use in the game. But the problem is when you go to a shopkeep, you have to go in and say hi, I want a potion. He goes, okay, it's this price, and then you have to hit okay. Then you say hi, I want to buy a potion. Okay, here's the price. Okay, yep. and you have to do these inputs <laughs> over and over and over. And you basically do it until you have 99 of them. Now, thankfully, potions are the first item in the menu screen. So when you go through, you just say A, 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 A. When you're doing peers, which cure poison, you have to go yep. A, down, A, 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 down, 100 times again, because you need a lot of these. Uh, if you need softs, they're at the very bottom. So it's A, up, A, 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 up, A. If you need tents, it's like A, down, down, A, A. Like, it's just this stupid thing. And, and generally, you don't have to do it for most of them, but potions is, is mandatory. Because what, what ends up happening is you have so much health, 
uh, especially your your main dude, your warrior, is going to have so much health that, or the fighter, whatever the hell he's called, at a certain point, you're going to have so much health that your spells don't even matter. Um, your white mage cannot keep people alive, and you have to use potions in between combat. So generally, the way to beat a dungeon is you walk in with 99 potions, and if you reach the boss uh, with potions left, then you're good. If you are if you're unable to reach the boss and you're out of potions, you're fucked because you are literally going to just deteriorate and run out of run out of potions, unless you run from every fight, which you can't run from every fight. Um, I will say this game was ex exceptionally fun. My party was fighter, white mage, black mage, red mage, which I okay. was like, oh, I'll just do the most boring. St I think that's probably a staple. I think that's what most people would choose if they did a default party, uh, which I didn't get too creative. Originally, I was going to do like double fighter, double white mage, or like. Double fighter. Uh, I, I was gonna do. I was gonna do some funky shit, and then I just ended up doing the staple because I wanted to try and beat it. Mm -hmm. It's been it's been so long since I beat it. Um, so I had very little issues with the game this time. I got my. I got the airship really early. I got um, what's like. I guess promoted or whatever you want to call it when your your fighter gets transformed into a warrior. All, all your characters get um, transformed, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got was, that really early yeah. as well. I, I like cut corners. I didn't do the orbs until I had to. Like I essentially tried to do everything I could beforehand. I had a ton of gold, ton of items, um, and yeah, I kind of cruised my way through the for the most part through the game. Music fantastic. I, I I was I was thinking about this while I was playing. I'm like I cannot believe how good the music is in this game. It is such a simple soundtrack. Yeah, but there are good. certain. Certain ones, like the open world music, is is extremely memorable. The combat music. Now, there's no differentiator between the combat for regular battles and bosses, unfortunately. But the music is it's catchy and it's good. The boat music is just incredible. It, it's just so memorable. I could, I I, I hum it all the time. Same with the airship. The airship also has really great music that just constantly gets stuck in your head. It's very upbeat. It does. Yeah. It, it's it's very interesting. I think that's probably the only four tracks in the game. Really, open world, water, airship, and battle. I think that's it. Oh no so, no 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 no! That's not it. There's there's the ones where you go into like the dwarven area. That they have their oh, own music. Yeah, oh, the yeah, lady yeah. with the orb has their own music, which is the dwarf music is probably my favorite. It's really good. It, it's just such a simple track, and obviously these are very short tracks, so they repeat probably after sixty seconds, ninety seconds at most, maybe. Yeah yeah that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but music's very memorable. Uh, Storyline is very simplistic. It's not amazing. I would say the ending text was kind of cool. Because after you beat the game, they give you a little bit more story. That's probably when you get the most story in the entire mm -hmm. game. Uh, there's two cutscenes: one that happens very early on, and then there's one that happens at the very end. Um, which you know they do what they can. It's not amazing. Uh, bosses were generally pretty stupid. I would, if I was trying, to, if I was trying to explore a dungeon, I would go in with 99 potions. I would sweep every floor, get every single item, go back home, get full potions, and then go in and run from every fight that I could and then get to the boss and beat them. Most of the bosses I didn't have too many issues with, except for uh, the first boss I smoked. It wasn't even close. The second boss I almost died, um, which is, she's the serpent. I can't think of her name. Anyways, she's uh, really- I dumb. don't remember any other names now. Anyway, she, she, she can hit you multiple times. Because at a certain point when your characters get higher level, they don't start to do more damage. They start to hit multiple times. And so essentially yeah. your attack would go from like, instead of going from like 41 to 42 damage, you'd go from 40 to 80 damage. And so the bosses do this as well. And if they crit, they can literally one-shot anybody, including your warrior. Um, the, the stats you have are very simplistic. You have like a standard like armor or defense type thing. And it, you basically, when they hit you, a percentage of it is reduced based on your armor. And then everything else goes through. For your, your main guy, your warrior, uh, they take the brunt of the damage. And then anybody else who gets hit generally will probably die or get very, very low. 
A uh, couple interesting mechanics. The positioning of your characters is kind of cool. So the person in the first position, I believe, takes 50% of all attacks. The second person takes 25%. And then the last two, I want to say, are 12.5 each. It's something like that. So essentially, you need to have your tankier person on top and your most uh, your, your squishiest person or your most important person on bottom. Generally, it's your white yeah, mage because yeah. you need them. If, if anybody dies, then you can res, uh, which is great. I will say I was getting really heated because I think it was the third dungeon they kept killing my white mage like they'd kill my white mage and i would res him with my red mage and my red mage only had four uh uses of life and that was the only spell you knew for that school <laughs> so it was like they'd kill her and i'd be like okay three more they kill her again i'm like okay two more and they kill her and i'd be like holy shit if she dies two more times i have to start this dungeon because <laughs> i need her uh the, the white mage is very powerful the heals that she does and some of the damage and buffs that she does are exceptional Did wall which is like a level eight spell, ridiculously powerful. Did you um, ever get the heal wand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that, course, the healing wand. That, that, that was, was the game changer for me. I just, I literally use that every single turn. Oh, hundred thousand percent. Did you get the the caster one for the wizard too? The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that one too. Yeah. So their 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 roles from that point on, they never casted anything, or they very rarely cast yep. anything. It was literally item. Use the healing staff item. Use the wizard staff because the wizard staff did crazy damage. The, and it hit everybody. It does the wizard staff, and, and for like so for people listening, some of the um, items in Final Fantasy One like have their own spells that's specific to the item, and anybody can use it. And so, about three fourths of the way through the game, I think you get the heal wand, yeah. and, and but only the white mage can you. Can only the white mage no, use it? I no, I don't. I don't know. I actually I didn't try it on anybody else, but I, I don't think, know that. Okay, I think actually anybody can uh can use it. And um, but but you give it to the white mage, typically, uh, and so so your other you know so your other people can attack, and the heal wand heals everybody twenty HP, and there's no limit to how many times you can do it. Whereas their normal spells are very limited on how on how many yeah. times you can use them until you rest, which is far you know few it, it, which is long in between. Cabin, sorry. Yeah, and yeah, and you can't rest when you're inside of a dungeon. Either, right, you so can't you rest inside of a dungeon. Down. Dungeon, so your spells are really pretty limited overall. But once you get the heal wand, it heals everybody on one turn, and you can use it as much as you want. So, my strategy, and it sounds like yours too, was just every time it's the white mage's turn, I just use that, even if we weren't that low on health, because yep. using it, it has then no is, cooldown. Yeah, it has, it has no cooldown, and you, and it saves you from having to use potions later. So the yep. more you use it, it's it just it's like a win-win situation. Yeah, and, and I will say, so for me, ca late game casters were kind of useless. I know a lot of people say like the Black Mage's spells are really, really impactful and all this other shit. Really, for me, or in the mid game is when the Black Mage was the strongest for me. You really you need some AoE. The AoE makes a difference in certain fights and it helps you to clean up large groups of enemies. Because I think the most enemies you can fight at once is nine. I think it's nine or 12. But uh, when, when you're going through some oh. of the combats, it's nice to have that. And then at a certain point, AoE just doesn't do enough. You're your fighter usually one shots everything my red mage generally one shot everything once i got the final weapons or the strongest weapons in the game which is like mass immunity and excalibur i think um but yeah the black mage just fell off hardcore uh, in the late game he was just he was just there i mean he, he was just a fucking fly on the wall the white mage had some really powerful spells that i liked but one thing that is broken in the original nes version is a lot of spells don't work they're they're about 30 to 40 percent of spells roughly if i had to guess it do not work or they don't work as they're intended to to work so they are yeah well, oh, you, you you went mega you're going megatron huh? holy shit 
I have no idea what you're saying. Try again. No. He's gone. Let's see if this is any better. This is this is much better. Hi, Jay. Okay. I, I I think it was the Discord channel. It was showing like red bars, 89 MS. So I, I was having okay. 89 MS, but it was showing red bars, so I don't know. This sounds Anyways, good. Um, so the magic. So the, the, just to give a brief, real brief rundown of this. So, so essentially each town, generally each town or some towns have multiple, uh, but they each have a magic shop. White, white magic shop, black magic shop. And er, based on the, the numbers of towns you're going through the game, they have level one through eight. And you have three spaces for spells in each level. So for the white mage, there might be five level one spells, but you can only pick three. And you cannot repick them after you pick those three. So if you pick bad ones, you are fucked. Because there are certain ones that are very good, and there are certain ones that do not work at all. So it, it's a little bit frustrating because some of the spells do not work at all, which is really unfortunate. Um, some of the spells late game are pretty cool. Nuke is amazing. Ex is, uh, exit is amazing, which just teleports you out of the dungeon. I talked about wall. Um, that, that was pretty cool, right? Um, oh, so I got to the very end of the fourth dungeon because you're basically going around collecting four orbs. And the fourth dungeon was visually really cool, by the way. It's like this, it, it's like, it's deteriorating. Like as you're going through it, the whole dungeon is like falling apart essentially. And it looks very new agey. There's like a lot of uh, mechanical stuff. And it's kind of bizarre because it's a very fantasy, you know. Oh, it's like kind of space age sort of, right? Yeah, kind yeah. of space age. It reminds me of Secret of Evermore. Secret of Evermore did that same kind of trope. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but so you're walking through this castle. Monsters aren't very tough. Um, at this point of the game, you're just kind of slaughtering things. You're immune to death because you have ribbons. Uh, ribbons are insanely good. They're an accessory that just allows you to become immune to almost... I think it's every status effect, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, you're cruising your way through, and then you get to this last hallway, right? I want to ask, did you fight something in the hallway that killed you? Yes. No, I fought something that I destroyed. Fucking War Machine went down. You killed the War Machine? Yeah, I don't know... This the same thing happened with me with Final Fantasy 2. Somehow, I don't know how because I didn't spend any time grinding, but I ended up really overleveled. What level were you? What level were you? Do you do you roughly know like roughly like, mid to what? upper 20s? That's where I was. I beat what War Machine in 3 rounds. How did you survive 3 rounds? He always ambushes you. I don't know. He, he so oh it, it's RNG so he's he's I think he has like a I want to say it's like a two percent or like two and a half percent chance no, to fight him. It's less than that. It's it's I think it's one in like a hundred and fifty. It might even be one in two fifty six chance. It's it, I'll look it up. It's 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 less than um it's less than one percent for sure. So the reason we're bringing this up is because it killed me. It killed me instantly because essentially this uh, monster. Sorry, it's War Mech, not War Machine. Yeah, it's fine. Either either way, I, I thought I wouldn't have corrected you because I didn't know. Uh, this monster does a couple things. So first off, it always ambushes you, which means it gets the first turn. The second thing is it uses the most powerful spell in the game, which is nuke. It nuked me on ambush and killed three of my people. The only person left was my fighter. I swung at him, did 40 damage. I think he has close to 1,000 health. And then he crit my my, uh, my fighter for more health than he has when he's at full health. Really? Oh, yeah. He smashed me. Damn. And I, I, I'm pretty, I was like 26 or 27. Like, I was pretty strong. I smashed everything else. I got to this hallway, and I 
fully cleared this dungeon, like scrubbed it completely clean, got every single item, was decked to the nines, walked in there, like the third step, ambush, nuke, auto attack, killed me. And I was like, I Holy almost shit. stopped playing right there. I was like, I was so pissed. I didn't use any save states. So okay. I made sure... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were pausing. I just I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, I just looked no, it up. You were right. I was way off. <laughs> sorry. It was It's 164. You were right about the... It's one in sixty four chance. Yeah, because like the second I fought him, so I I fought him again, uh, and I was uh, the second time I, I just sprinted to the last room because I was like, okay, I'm just gonna fucking just try and see if I can fight him. So I I tried it the second time. He ambushed me. He killed. I want to say my red mage turn one, um, and I was like, okay, not the big deal. He's kind of a dead weight. So then I, I just teed off on him. I started slamming as hard as I could with all, everything I had. I probably did a hundred damage before he killed me. Second turn, he nuked me and killed me. Um, and I was just like, holy shit, like, how am I supposed to beat this? So I Googled it, and people were like, oh, yeah, if you fight this, sorry, it happens. He's literally just insanely strong. Uh, just try again. So the third time I went through, I didn't fight him, and I just smashed the boss in two seconds. I was so pissed. I almost stopped playing at that point. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I spent probably 90 minutes in that dungeon scrubbing it clean. I made sure to get every single item. I was fighting every single battle on my way up to the top because mm -hmm. I wanted to try and get as high levels as I could. And then I just get destroyed by this stupid monster in two turns. And I felt really high level. I was so cocky, too, because I was like, nothing could stop me. I was so strong, and nothing was phasing me. I was at full health almost er after every fight, just, like, decimating things. I had a good number of potions. Boom, two turns dead. Uh, yeah, that was honestly, really I honestly don't know what I did to make my guys so powerful, but I, did, I had no trouble with him or the final boss. Like, I beat them all very quickly. I, I, again, no I didn't grind or anything. I just don't know what happened. So the last dungeon pissed me off. The last dungeon, so I, I will say, very creative by them. The very first boss you fight, his name is Garland. And you fight him in a castle that's just north of the first town. It's like a hop, skip, and a jump, and away. When you fight the final boss, you have to collect the, the four orbs uh, of each of the elements, or one, one of the respective each elements. And then you have to play this loot um, that you get early on in the game. And I, I didn't think you had to play loot. Or do you? I don't remember. Anyways, it opens where Garland was standing. He was standing on kind of this throne. Uh, it opens. The throne opens, and you go downstairs, and you find out that Garland like went into the future and then came back, or some crazy shit. Yeah. But he has this. You're in this dungeon, and the dungeon is brutal. The monsters on the way there are brutal. A lot of them you can't run from, so they just deal damage to you. It was like there was some sort of poisonous snake or some sort of manticore. I don't remember what it was. There was some sort of poisonous creature that I kept fighting that was doing a lot of damage to everybody, had like some sort of AOE. Uh, there was the wizards, which are really freaking annoying, and they hit really hard. And then when you walk on certain tiles, you revisit each of the first major bosses. So the Lich, the Kraken, uh, shit, oh, I can't right. remember what she is. You fight the four ore bosses again, and they're stronger. Uh, they're not bad. The third one was kind of rough, and the fourth one I slapped cheeks. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a contest. <laughs> but I got stuck trying to figure out where to go in the dungeon because this, this place, you can't be in there for very long. You have to know where you're going. Otherwise, you're going to run out of potions or you're just going to blatantly die because some of the monsters are exceptionally strong. I did not see a door. There's a door that that's blends with this wall after <laughs> the second boss. And I went in the room. I scrubbed the whole room. I couldn't find it. I walked around. Couldn't find it. I, I went back and forth in this place. I pro it probably took me six attempts to get to the final boss because I just could not figure out where to go. Once I figured it out, it probably took me two attempts because I, I had to ration out my potions very well. Um, and then I worked my last boss. I ran from every fight, and I slapped the last boss. It wasn't even a contest. Yeah. The last boss's name is Chaos. And for anybody who's played Final Fantasy One, he takes up the entire battlefield. It's super visually cool. And when you kill him, 
it does like this very long drawn out almost like final fantasy 7 uh rendering where it's like him decomposing graphically it's cool it's really cool and the ba- the the winning music plays as he's decomposing it's a really it's very cool i mean it's very old so it's not like graphically or visually that amazing yeah but, it does but look for cool. the time it does look really cool and then you get the final cutscene and you beat the game very fun game. Uh, probably spent twenty to thirty hours, I would say, roughly. If I had to guess, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really fun game. I do want to play the second one again. I don't know if I'll play it immediately, but I had a lot of fun with this game. I I, I played it on my phone. Actually, is where I played it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was it was a good time. Yeah, it's a really cool game. I liked it too. Yeah. Awesome. I'm right, really. I will I'm wait gr- to talk about my second game until you go. No, let's go. I'm really glad that you played that. Uh, it's a fantastic game. It's been a minute. I, I've tried a couple times to play through it, and then I would just get to like I'd get to the first major major castle, the the first orb, and I I just remember I remember the stupid shit like walking over the lava spaces and getting burned, or the the hallway from hell where you just have to fight every single step, and I just remember that just being such a grind. Oh yeah. And every time I get to those points, I'm just like I'm good. Um, but. This time it was like, those were kind of exciting. I really enjoyed kind of the challenge and the strategy behind it and the different items. I mean, there are some really cool items in the game that made it interesting for me to, to work my way through it. So, yeah. Yeah, I do hate how it has those lava floors that you just have to walk oh in and take God. damage. Oh my God, you just eat damage. Yeah. You just eat damage. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun at all. That, that really bugged me, actually. And I will say, it took me... It took me a while to figure out where to go at times. There were a couple times when I really struggled to know where to go, which was really annoying. And I just kept oh, going back true. to those stages. Especially on like yeah. the world map where it's like, all right, now go to the oh elf village. God. And you're like, what the f- where the fuck is that? I've been to a hundred places. I don't remember. And then there's a city that you're like, how the fuck do you even get to the city? And it's like, oh, maybe if I have the airship. And there's like, there's nowhere to land. No, there's one segment uh, yeah. of green space that's <laughs> yeah. next to the marsh where you're supposed to land. And then you trek your way 20 minutes south to get to the town. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know that? Like, what in what universe am I supposed to know that that small little segment of space? There were there were a couple things like that that were just like, ugh, like annoying. But um, I actually had to look up a few things on the way. I, I will admit, I forgot yeah. About that. I uh, I remember having to look up a couple things that was just like just figure out where the fuck am I supposed to go? Yep. Because it counts on you probably having like a map that came with a game. I would I would. Bet. I think you're right because I didn't have trouble with it as a kid. That's what's kind of blowing my mind. Huh. That's, yeah. That's probably what it was. Yeah. All right. Well, hell yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's go with my first one then. Um. Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. This came out for PC in 1997, which is a little bit later than I thought it was. But actually, that but but that does make sense once, once I think about it a little bit more. But this is, of course, the sequel to Star Wars Dark Forces. Star Wars Dark Forces was the first, the very first Star Wars first-person shooter. Uh, kind of like a Doom slash Wolfenstein clone set in the Star Wars universe. And okay. it was, it was, that one was pretty basic. It's just, uh, you know, it was just, again, it's just like Doom in, in Star Wars world. The, uh, I didn't, I, I don't really love that game. There are some levels that are pretty annoying. And also like the, uh, the shooting isn't that great because the, 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 the lasers travel kind of slowly. So all the action is a little bit slow and it's sort of hard to hit moving targets since your shots don't go super fast. So I just, I, yeah, I don't really love star Wars, dark forces, star Wars, dark forces Two fixes some of those things. The shots go faster 
And uh, most importantly, once you get a little ways into the game, it adds the, uh, the Jedi element into it. So you start getting force powers later on. You get a lightsaber and that kind of stuff. You, you'll still have guns and, you're st- and you still need guns and you'll still use them. But it's not just guns the whole time. Whereas, Star- whereas the original Dark Forces, there's, there's no element of Jedi in there at all. It's, it's purely just a shooter. So you're still playing as the same character as this one, who is Kyle Katarn. And the story now is you. Uh, I don't remember if this was known in the first one, or or if you just learn it in this one. But anyway, you find out uh, that your dad was a. I don't know if you already knew he was a Jedi or not, but he was a Jedi, and you found out. You find out that he knew the location of the of the Valley of the Jedi, which was which is a secret place, and uh, and it, it shows like a cutscene with him being hunted down by Sith Jedi. And they're like, and he and he won't he won't tell him where the Valley of the Jedi is, so they kill him. And so now you are trying to find uh, the Valley of the Jedi. So you're going like back to his house, finding his stuff, kind of looking through, trying to figure out where the Valley of the Jedi is, so you can find it for yourself. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the story. So there are cutscenes, and 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 one of the cool things is this does have live action cutscenes. So you so you do get real actors doing the cutscenes and stuff. You know, it's it's the the quality is to be expected. It's not terrible because this was you know LucasArts doing it. So it's as you can expect there there is a certain level of quality that they wanted to to uphold. However, as any video game with live action cutscenes of this time, it's not great either. It's just kind of you know for for the time I'd say it's probably the it's pro, it's probably very good for how it was back then in general. Nowadays it's like yeah you know this is this is fine it's passable it's not really good but it's, it's there's nothing like cringy or like super cheesy about it or anything like that. They they did a pretty good job with it. Um, but but so there's that and some of the story is told by that. However, a lot of the story is also told in between levels on the loading screens. Uh, however, when the game l- loads a level, it doesn't say like, all right, click to play. It just jumps into the level. And mm-hmm. since computers are a lot faster now than they used to be, that means mm-hmm. that you don't get to read a lot of the story because the story, the plot description will pop up on the screen, excuse me, will pop up on the screen for one second and then go away. So I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't really able to follow quite what all is going on besides just that kind of the basic synopsis that I just gave you just then. Obviously you're fighting dark Jedi along the way. And, um, and there's this one, you know, kind of master dark Jedi that you eventually face. And that's, you know, it's, it's a star Wars Jedi game. It starts off purely as a shooter. You don't have your, you don't, you know, get, get your dad's lightsaber to start off with. That's not until level like three or so. And, and, you don't even really start getting force powers till a while, probably about 60% of the way through the game. And it's, it's about 15 to 20 hours. So it's a while before you really start unlocking Jedi related stuff. So it starts off purely as a shooter and it's extremely linear. Do you remember how Daikatana, how I don't want to, oh, oh, I, I don't want to compare it to Daikatana, but do you remember how in Daikatana, everything was just a corridor basically that you're walking yeah. through? That's how this game is to start off with. The first one or two levels is just corridors. You fighting a million of the same type of guy. Uh, you're in some city and you're just going through these, like, through these rooms and hallways and stuff. And it's just like three different enemies, just like every once in a while ambushing you and shooting at you. And it's 
those first few levels are pretty boring and they're a little bit rough. Then a level, like I said, it's level three or so. You um, you get your you you find your dad's lightsaber and you get that. And the lightsaber is really cool to have. It's not a great weapon in this game because and, and it makes sense. You um you know you don't have any Jedi training, so the lightsaber is kind of it has limited use. It's it's really good if kind of if you can sneak up on people and you can block some shots with it, but you probably block. 25% of shots that, that people shoot at you. So it's not that great. You have to get up in their face to use it. So a lot of the time it's still best just to use guns. And, uh, and then once you lock unlock force powers later on, those also start off kind of weak. And, and a lot of the ones that you get early on are not even combat related. It's like, okay, you can jump super high or you can move super fast, which are, they, they actually are very useful, but they're not, you know, they don't do a lot in combat. It's not till, pretty close to the end of the game that you start unlocking combat related stuff. And then some of those do start to be a little bit more useful. Uh, and you get stuff like healing. If you're, if you're doing uh, light Jedi or you get stuff like force lightning force choke. If you are, if, if you go down the dark path and again, this all kind of does, does kind of make sense because you're kind of learning the stuff as you go on. It, it makes sense that, once you start unlocking powers, they're not incredibly powerful at first. You're not great with the, with the with the lightsaber. All that stuff kind of makes sense. But what it means is that you can't rely on that stuff. You use it some, yeah. but you're still going to be primarily using guns and things like that. Um, some of the maps are a little confusing, especially sometimes to the point of frustration. There were some times where I just had no idea where to go. There, as I said, the first couple levels were extremely linear and just like, like you're stuck in hallways most of the time. Well, later on they open up, but not really in a fun way. It's like they open up and then, and now you just have no idea where to go and you might run all over a level, even looking at the map and still not be able to still not be able to figure out like, where the hell am I supposed to be going? How do I get out of here? How do I get to this place that I'm trying to go? Very confusing. Sometimes not, not all the time, but, but some of the levels, uh, and that's kind of it for the gameplay. Like a lot. So once you get later, later in the game, then that gets a little bit better, but still there, you'll still get to some confusing stuff and some frustrating stuff where it's like, okay, I got to run all over. Oh, I found a key. Now what door was this to? It's kind of similar to doom actually. Although doom, I don't really remember being as frustrated as I was on some of these levels. Uh, I'm not really sure what the difference was there, but I, I think on Doom, a lot of the time you could look at the map and say, okay, I think this is, you know, I found this key. I'm pretty sure it looks like uh, this is a part that I haven't unlocked. I can go here. And usually that was a pretty good way of telling where you were and where you needed to go. Whereas that's not really the case in this game. It's it's more like kind of wander around and get lost a whole lot. And eventually you're going to stumble upon where you need to go. So they, they didn't, they just didn't handle it as well, uh, in this game. Uh, one thing I will say is that it's pretty cool and kind of surprising for a game this early in, uh, well, I say this early in star Wars games, there were definitely plenty of star Wars games at this time. But as I said, this is kind of the first one where you are wielding, uh, force powers, and, you know, besides, besides you know, games where you're playing as a Star Wars from a character in the movie, like Luke Skywalker, this is the first game where you're a new character unlocking his own powers as you go along. 
I was kind of surprised that they do give you the option to be light or dark Jedi. You would think that you'd be railroaded into being a good guy, right? On something like yeah. this from yeah, this time totally. period. But no, you definitely do get to choose. And it's all based on what, what force powers you choose. And um, and you and you do get a different ending depending, uh, you know, that, that depends on, on, on which path you chose. And I went dark, dark Jedi just for the hell of it. And I got to say the ending was was pretty cool without giving wow. any without without spoiling like anything that happens. I mean, the, the story, there's really not much to spoil. It's a pretty, you know, standard, predictable story. But when you beat the game as Dark Jedi, uh, they like lead you to your throne. And this woman's like, here you go, Emperor, take your seat. And you go up and sit at the throne, like the, the Sith throne. And it's like, damn, this is kind of awesome. And then he pulls out this uh, this little like electronic device that has like a hologram of his um of this message that his dad left for him about like how he has to save the jedi or whatever he pulls it out and he's still got it in his pocket and he watches it for a second and then he drops it on the ground and stomps on it it was uh pretty cool wow. actually I, I was i was kind of impressed by it the uh one thing is the so the gameplay is all right it's not that great there were definitely times i got frustrated um it was like I said, it was not great by any means. It was pretty good. I I would not have played through the whole thing if I if I wasn't playing it for the podcast and and just kind of curious to see how it all went and how it ended and stuff. It really wasn't enough to hold me, so I can't. I really can't recommend it from a, from a gameplay perspective. Another thing that was kind of bad are the lightsaber battles, which again, it's understandable because this is the first time they they ever in, implemented lightsaber fighting, you know, in a first person Star Wars game. But there's there's really no rhyme or reason to it. You're just kind of you're just swinging basically, and so what this means is that for when you're fighting a boss, when you're when you're fighting a boss, you know that's that's a dark Jedi and it's a lightsaber battle. So you can't damage them with weapons with with, with guns. You have to use your, your lightsaber on these battles, and it basically turns into a jousting match. You're just running past him, hitting him once. And hoping that he doesn't block it, that the bad guy doesn't block it, and also that he doesn't have time to hit you back before you run away. So it's really just you running up to him, hitting him, and then keep on running as fast as you can. So it's really not like a real lightsaber battle, and it's really not that fun either. That's just kind of how all the boss battles go. You're running past doing drive-bys on him with your lightsaber. Uh, then also some of the some of the bosses have invisibility. Which is fine, but it's kind of uh, something that they fall back on too much. I, f- I feel like I think there were about three different boss battles where they where the bosses used invisibility, and that was kind of like a key part of it. It's like, all right, we need to come up with a new trick. This is this this one's starting to get a little bit old. So the boss battles aren't that aren't very good either. Whoa, I just lost you okay? my headphones. One second. Okay, so the boss battles aren't that good either, and um, but I will say that the the boss that the that the dark jedi variety just as far as the character designs were pretty cool like i said they they don't really do much different from each other but they do at least look different like you know there's one where it's just kind of a regular guy and then there's one where it's uh it's it's two it's two guys that you're fighting it's like one really big guy and one really little guy that you're fighting at the same time and then there's one where the the guy the whole half of his body had been cut off and he's like got this thing that he kind of floats and hovers around on with the top half of his, of his body. So they, they did a pretty good job with the, with the design of the, uh, with like the actual character design of the bosses. But overall, it just isn't that great of a game, unfortunately. Um, not terrible, but 
there are problems with the level design, like I said, and the game overall just gets a bit repetitive. The boss battles aren't that good. So I, I really just can't recommend it, unfortunately. I do... And, and and that's actually kind of how I remembered feeling about it originally. I remembered not really loving it that much when it originally came out. I remember liking it more than Dark Forces, uh, which I just don't like, but still not really liking it overall. However, Mysteries of the Sith, which is the expansion for this game, I really, really loved. So I, I, and I, I didn't play that yet. I do really hope to get to that sometime in the somewhat near future. Uh, well, by that, I mean like by the end of the year. So I'm interested to turn to go back to that and see how well that holds up. Cause I remember really, really loving that game a lot more. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But as for star Wars, Jedi Knight, dark forces two, I it's, it's just not that great. So based on what you initially said though, with how kind of slow rolling this game is, it might fit into our top five pretty well. <laughs> you know, actually I, I have to go look at my list in a second. That's, that's true. Although, this isn't a good game overall, so I so I don't know if this this oh. one would really count. Oh, and one other thing, <laughs> one other thing, there were a couple times where I got really fed up with the levels, and I just didn't feel like playing through them anymore. But I did want to finish the game, so I went and looked up cheats just to skip to the next level, uh, <laughs> just so I could see how the, how the rest of the game goes. One of the and it's it's typical uh, console command cheats. So you just pull up the console, type in something, and it gives yeah. you you know God mode or level skip or Jedi level up or whatever. One of the one of the cheats to type in for I think it was to level up your le- your Jedi skills was D's nuts. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, the original D's nuts. Yep, D E E Z N U T S. Do you see my name in Discord, by the way? Uh, no. Serena huh? D's. Sir, sir, uh, they're very nice. I like it. Yeah, I like the nice. I like the anime. Who's this? Who's the anime chick character? It's Joey Wheeler's sister from Yu Gi Oh. She's lying. Okay. okay. It's the most obscene, dumbass arc in the whole show. Like he's playing the card game because his sister's blind and she needs surgery. So all he says all the time, "My sister Serenity, she's blind. She can't see." (laughs) That sounded like a New Jersey. From Jersey. That's exactly. Joey Wheeler. Yeah, he 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 sounds like he's from Jersey. This is from this is from Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, it's, it's his best friend. It's, it's the dumbest thing. Well, he enters a tournament never knowing how to play the cards before. He gets a starter deck and gets second place. It's the it's so fucking stupid. He has no idea what he's doing. Anyways, the show's garbage, but wow. it's hilarious. Okay, cool. Yeah, I remember you telling me that all that 90% of it is just uh, Yu-Gi-Oh trying to cheat at cheating. matches. He literally, no, not trying to cheat. He literally cheats. He cheats the entire fucking time. It's crazy. <laughs> He top decks and Rex, he calls it hard of the cards, but he just top decks Exodia, which is like the most powerful card in the game. He cheats continuously. The, he like bends the rules. He's like, my creature's going to attack turn one. My creature's going to defend turn one. Uh, this card that does this thing does this thing in this situation, but when I need it, it does this thing. Like, <laughs> it's so bizarre. And then also he goes from a child to an adult when he plays the card game, which is really weird. And they finally comment on it like six episodes in. Joey's like, yeah, I noticed you were getting taller and your voice got deeper. And it's like, he literally doubled his height. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how, you not he's like, he's like a kid with a soft-spoken voice. And then he becomes an adult. He's like, Joey. And it's like, what? Like, he just went through puberty. Like, we just saw this. It, it's a trash show, but it's freaking ridiculous to watch. Just like a car accident. You can't look away. Awesome. Anyways. Sounds fantastic. 
All right. All right, Jay, what is your... Uh, this is going to be a long episode, which, which I'm happy for, because I think yeah. people are going to have a lot of listening time on their hands. Um, what, what's your what's your next game? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. So, sorry. Let me... Sorry. Let me interrupt you real quick. You're good. By the way, I, I just saw on Reddit when I mentioned that thing about Final Fantasy VII, the remake being delayed. Uh, that is an Amazon issue specifically. There's a thread okay. on Reddit that I just saw um, when, we, when we took a break or, uh, a little bit earlier that says, uh, PSA, Amazon is ceasing delivery of all... No, quote non-essential items through the beginning of April. If you ordered physical copies of Final Fantasy VII, Resident Evil Three, or Doom through them, you may not get your order on release day. So that's that would explain the email that I got. So it's not that the game is delayed; it's it's that Amazon's uh, shipping is is delayed. If you if you if you ordered a physical copy through them, which is what I did. Cool. Okay. All right. So I have a confession to make. Um, I have a problem. I have an addiction that I'm trying to get help for and it's uh, playing Heroes of Might and Magic 3 nonstop for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've seen you seen you on there. So, so my brother and I uh, have played Heroes of Might and Magic since we were kids together, but recently, Harry, and we, we get off work um, and I kid you not, for five hours every night, we play straight. We sit in a call together, we share our screens and we play nonstop. And the best part is, the reason I want to talk about the podcast is because similar to um, what was that RT or the, uh, that turn-based strategy game that I introduced you, Battle for West North. It's another community project um, that somebody put together because so let me back up a little bit. Here's my Magic Three. <laughs> I bought it through Steam, and it's shit. Ubisoft bought the rights, of course, from 3DO, of course, and ruined it. They took Here's my Magic Three is shit. This version of it, the game is incredible. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Here's my Magic 3 Complete is one of the most creative, unique, and fun games I have ever played. It has so many different elements to it. And I'll talk about that. Okay. Because uh, I've talked about it before in the podcast, so I won't go super deep down the rabbit hole, but I'll at least give people an understanding of why I like it so much. But to start, fuck Ubisoft. They bought the game from 3DO and ruined it. They got so- rid of 80% of the campaign. Um, they deleted the additional race that was added to the game. They made it so you can't do... Um, dual turns because this is a turn-based game uh it was modded later on so that you could both play at the same time because the game takes like a small map will take you five or six hours a large map will take you 20 hours wow so having simultaneous turns is very very good it also keeps you interested in playing um it is very hard to play online it's very challenging to play through their online system we had countless issues with it so i bought it through steam tried it for an hour we were like fuck this let's get it through gog because gog is the best same version and i was like wow i just bought this game again instant refund and so my brother and i like what do we do like do we just illegally download it i mean we tried to pay for it and they gouged the game so we found that there's a community project uh that somebody created full game full content simultaneous turns and they did. They added some extra things to it. It's called Horn of the Abyss. So if anybody really likes Heroes of My Magic Three, um, Google Horn of the Abyss. All right, hold on. I want to get. I want to. Sorry, I want to get a, a rundown of like the of the original versions. So, 3DO published it originally. Yep. And then Ubisoft bought it and re-released it. Apparently, yeah. And fucked it up. And fucked it up horribly. Huh. And yeah. what's the? They did a lot of really shady shit to it as well. They updated the graphics. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so is this yeah. the? I'm looking at the different editions. Is it the? 
HD edition. That's the yes. fucked up. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, I see. Oh, Ubisoft released it. Gotcha. So the HD yep. edition is the bad one. The complete edition is the good one. Correct. Okay. So uh, the reason we were going to buy through GOG and Steam is because their online servers are generally pretty easily accessible. And for those who don't know, old games to play with other people online is kind of challenging. You used to use things like Game Ranger and I forget what the other one is. Um, we used to use those, but those are out of business now. So it's kind of challenging to play games online with each other. Um, so we were trying to figure out how to do it. And we're like, fuck, the GOG version sucks and the Steam version sucks. What are we going to do? So we did some research and found a community-driven project. They took the complete version of the game. Um, they released that, so you can play that, which is great. It's the full version of the game. Um, this I'm pretty sure this is illegal, so just preface that with that. But <laughs> full version of the game, online capabilities. They have open servers that you can use to play on. And there's a decent amount of people on there. There's like a 1,000 people on there, which is like the same as StarCraft II at this point, huh. that are online waiting to play this game, which is super cool. Uh, wow. But Horn of the Abyss is a modded version of the game. Uh, it allows you to play in windowed mode. It allows you to use the updated graphics, or if you want to use the old school resolution, which I prefer to do, uh, it allows for simultaneous turns, which is fantastic. And uh, there's a bunch of other features that you can add on to it. They, they have additional things that you can add to it to make the game just a little bit better in terms of quality of life things. Nothing that's going to impact the gameplay, but just makes it a little bit easier to access and play. <clears throat> um, they added a random map generator, so you can have a random map every time, which is insanely cool for this game. It's 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 something that my brother and I were always looking for. We tried downloading maps, but oh, this is the other thing about Ubisoft. If you download a map, their version of the game will not allow you to import maps. And they removed the like more than half of the maps. Yeah. The hell? They they did laziest port I have or not port, but re remaster, whatever the hell you want to call it. You they, they took out a large portion of the maps, and then if you try to import maps, they will not work. This the client will literally close if you try to do it. It's crazy. Like they did the laziest job and ruined it. It's really frustrating. But again, back to the amazing people within this community, because they do a great job. Horn of the Abyss, incredible. Random map generator, incredible. You can you can do a small map all the way. The, the, let, me, let me read off the, the sizes to you, because this is hilarious. They <laughs> added new sizes to the maps, which, by the way, my computer can't even handle the largest map size. It gets it, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. All right, ready for this? We have small, medium, large, extra large, huge, extra huge, and gigantic. <laughs> extra huge. Gigantic is like a 40 or 50 hour game, at least. It's freaking massive. And that's one map. Um, so, needless to say, I appreciate these, these fine people who, who produced this product. They did a great job. Uh, why do I like this game so much? There's a million different reasons. This game is one of the, My brother and I were talking about this. We are, we are looking to... I want to take this and convert it into a board game concept. I think if you could realistically convert this into a board game concept, people would eat it up like crazy. I feel like right now the board game community is very big on complicated concepts. And the more complicated, the more depth you can add to a board game, if it's done well, people eat it up like crazy. I would. I mean, like I love Gloomhaven, right? So I, I feel like if you were able to do this successfully, people would love it. And I would love it. So what is Heroes of Might and Magic and why is this so great? A lot of people know Heroes of Might and Magic for the RPG style, uh, but this game is not that. It is a turn-based strategy game that has unlimited depth to it. So the game starts and you have a city. And each turn you can build a building within your city. So you go, it's, it's like an open map type thing, right? You have this big world map. You have your little your little city there and you have a little horseman that sits out front of it. You open up the town, uh, goes to a, a flat screen. You go in there, you can build a building. It upgrades the, the city. Um, you can do economy things where it increases your gold generation, 
resource generation. You can build structures that help to build units. Um, you can build things that give spells. Okay, so there's all these different constructs. There's also a workshop that gives you like ballista and first aid and these different different types of things. Um, generally, early on, you go for like eco. Mid game, you try to build a lot of creature um, creature developing structures. And then late game, you go back through and you start upgrading some of your buildings. When you upgrade the buildings, you get more stuff for it. Okay, that's the town. That is one segment of this game. The second one is the world map. So you have your horseman, chills outside your base. The horseman can go into the town, can visit the town, can purchase units, because each week you are allotted. Uh, if you have creature developing structures, units will be produced within your city that you can then purchase. So you have to build a structure, and then at the end of the week, it'll produce units, and then you can purchase those units, only a limited number based on the structure. Okay? When right. you acquire those units, you can then put them into your horseman. Your horseman has eight slots. So if you have imps and pit fiends and devils and phoenix, great. Those are four units that you can put into your army. Now, each one of these unit piles, I will call them piles, has a number on it. Um, and this doesn't represent the health or anything like that. It represents how many of them there are. Okay? All right. So if you are, the town that I play a lot is called Tower. Uh, they're very good at casting spells. That's why I really like them. Their first unit is called the Gremlin. So you might have 500 Gremlin and five of your final tier unit, which, which is called the Giant. So these piles, you look at them and you're like, I have 500 of these gremlin and five giants. But the giants are stronger than the 500 gremlins because they're a tier one unit and the giants are a tier eight unit. Okay? With me so far? Yes. Okay. So um, you have these eight slots within your champion. And then when you're in town, you can also purchase uh, a spell book. So you can learn if you have a mage guild, which a mage guild can be upgraded five different times. You can acquire spells based on those five levels that your hero can then use during combat. I'll talk about combat in a few minutes. Okay, so you're in town. You build a structure. You, uh, by the way, when you're in town, if you stay that, if you end your turn there, you get full mana for being in town. Very cool thing. Uh, you go acquire spells, purchase units, maybe buy a first aid tent, whatever you need to do. When you leave the town, your horseman. Now you're out in the open world, and there is these big ass maps, right? And there are all these little things you can interact with. There are things like treasure chests, which are guarded by monsters. You have to fight the monsters. And then once you fight them, you can acquire the treasure chest. And here's the best part. So you have these eight, you have these, these units that are with your hero, but your hero also has a leveling system of their own. Every time you win a fight or if you acquire experience through other means, your hero can then level, okay? And your hero has stats. They have uh, attack. Defense, power, and mana pool. Power affects your spell damage. Those stats affect all the units that are within your army. They buff or benefit your units within your army. Additionally, every time you level, you can you get the choice to acquire a new ability for your hero. Okay? Mm -hmm. So your hero can get things like logistics. So you, There's three levels of each ability that your hero can learn. So logistics, you can get basic, advanced, and expert. Logistics makes you move further because your hero can only move so much per turn. Okay, so you you start. Let's say you start with logistics and wisdom. Logistics makes you move further. Wisdom allows you to learn higher level spells. When you level, you will be given the option to upgrade one of those two. Additionally, you will be given the option of a third new ability. You have eight ability slots, so it may be like advanced wisdom, or do you want to get mysticism, which gives you mana per five or mana per day rather. And you're like, I don't want mysticism. I'm building a fighter. Okay, I'm just going to get my next level of wisdom and move on. 
So you have eight ability slots and they can all get leveled up three times. So 24 levels is what it takes roughly to do so. A 24th level hero is very high. It's like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours into the game. Okay? So these abilities can also impact your units even more than your stats. There are things like luck. So you can get basic luck, advanced luck, and um, expert luck. And what that does is it gives your heroes a chance to critically strike. There's also morale. And your morale will impact your heroes, if you have high morale, have a chance to get a second turn during combat. And I'll talk about combat in a few minutes. So there are all these different abilities. There's different schools of magic. So if you want to do fire magic, mysticism, I talked about that, gives you mana regen. You can do intelligence, which, which increases your mana pool. You can be specialized in a unit. So if you want to go imps, your hero can be specialized in imps, which makes their imps stronger, which again, your stats, your abilities will impact the power of your army, right? Yeah. That is all of that. And I hadn't even talked about combat yet. <laughs> That's why I love this That's game. crazy. This game is my probably my favorite game of all time. It's like up there with tactics. And you'll understand why wow. in a minute. So you're roaming around the map. There are things like a Redwood Observatory, which is, there is a, a um, fog of war that encompasses the entire map. So you're exploring this map. And it's randomly generated thanks to the wonderful people with the Horn of the Abyss. So every map is different. So you don't know what is around you. So you're moving around the map. And you're like, oh, by the way, when you start the game, you choose which faction you're going to play, and you get to choose your starting hero, which kind of derives how you're going to play the game, um, which is kind of fun, or which is very fun. It's super interesting, because there's a bunch of really, really cool heroes. There's heroes that have abilities like gold per day, specialize in different heroes. Um, they start with certain types of magic, et cetera, et cetera. So each turn, your hero, you move around the map, okay? You can fight things. You can explore things. You can get in a boat and move around. You can also claim resource generation structures. So there's like a lumber mill that gives you every, at the, at the beginning of every turn, you would then get lumber or a crystal, uh, a crystal cave, I think is what they're called. That'll give you crystal each turn. There are also structures like windmill. Um, there's also, I don't know what it's called, but it's like this leprechaun that, that kind of like dances in place. These respawn each week. So you need, to, that's part of macro is you need to remember during each week because the game keeps track of the date. So the first day is month one, week one, day one. Right. When you end your turn, then month one, week one, day two. Sure. And the, it goes through seven days. And then after the seventh day, it goes back to day one. So within that time frame, you need to hit up all of your windmills, all of your um, freaking leprechauns. And there's a couple other structures that you need to do each week, which is, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's kind yeah. of macro based. Okay, so you move around the map, you're like, I really need this resource. Early on, you need a lot of money because you want to try and get your eco going. You want to try and get your highest level of economics going. So you're roaming around the map, you will kill a monster. And then when you kill them, they, they're, you know there's a treasure chest behind them before you fight them. It's not a random thing. The treasure chest, I love this concept, gives you the choice between getting gold or experience. The experience will level your hero, which is great, which makes you stronger. Oh, the right. They had that in you, two. Yes. So the the the, experience, the the gold is fantastic early on, but the experience is great because if your hero levels, that allows you to fight stronger mobs, which if you can fight stronger mobs, and the mobs don't respawn. So you generally look around your base like, I can fight that. I can't fight that yet. That is going to be the end of the game. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to fight that until the very, very end type shit. So you're like, okay. But if you're like, I, I invest in my hero, I might be able to clear some of these more difficult camps to basically um, push myself deeper into the game. Okay. So I generally play a lot of casters. I love magic in this game. And the reason is, so I'll, I'll talk about combat now because it, it's probably time. So combat <laughs> is, it's a big ass hex grid, okay? And 
what I talked about before, you have these eight slots within your hero, and your opponent has the same thing, generally. When you're fighting neutral monsters that are just out, uh, out in the open field, they don't have a hero. So they're not, they don't gain any benefits from a hero. All of your units are mapped out. So like you're on the left side of the screen, they're on the right side of the screen. And it's a hex format. Before you go into combat in your inventory, you can reorganize your army so that it's positioned in a certain way. So for instance, my brother is playing the new race that these people created called Coat. And his strategy is early on, he gets a cannon. His cannon acts as a sort of ninth unit. It just sits behind the next to his horseman at the top left and it just fires automatically each turn at some random unit and it does damage so what he does is he creates a bunch of tier one units which we'll call cannon fodder and he instead of having them all stack into one pile of 10 of them he makes two piles of two or is that good math yeah it's good math he yeah. creates two piles of two and then six piles of one and all he does is he clumps them up in front of the cannon and then his opponent to work his way through this cannon fodder to get to his cannon. Meanwhile, <laughs> his cannon is just destroying them. It's a really good early game strat. And the reason I bring this up is because this is the versatility that this game has. This is the flexibility it has. For me, my strategy is I pick either very tanky units and I sit there and defend each turn, which I'll talk about in a second, while my hero is just casting spells each round. Alternatively, I also pick very fast units and I just sprint across the map and kite them as I'm nailing them with spells repeatedly over and over and over. As a third option, you can also just build a brute force army and just fight every time. So there's a lot of versatility in how you want to do it. So how the actual fighting works is whichever unit has the highest speed stat gets to go first. And generally, a higher tier unit has higher speed, so they generally go first. And you, based on your unit speed, you can move a certain number of hexes across the map to try and get to your opponent. There's a lot of strategy involved because generally, whoever strikes first is going to do the most damage. Because when okay. you attack somebody... Essentially how it works is, let's say you have 10 gnolls, which is just a tier one unit, and you have 10 imps, okay? So the gnolls move up and they attack the imps. The gnolls have a damage ratio or a damage range to say, for each one of those gnolls, they're gonna do one to two damage. So it'll essentially, he could hit them for 10 to 20 damage, right? So in that range somewhere is what they're gonna attack for. The imps have 10 health and there's 10 of them. So if he hits them for 20, two imps will die which means when the imps counterattack, only eight of them are attacking. And they may have a damage ratio of one to two. So now their damage is only eight to 16. So they're going to attack back for less. So essentially, in that scenario, the gnolls are already ahead. So they're going to win that fight because the gnolls are going to attack them. They kill two of them. The imps strike back. They may kill one of them. And then from then on, the gnolls will just keep chipping away and eventually they'll win. Um, that's a very simple way to do it. There's a okay. lot more complexities to it. And the higher tier unit you get, there's more complexities to it. They may have certain abilities. Genies are one of my, I think it's my sixth tier unit. One of the coolest concepts in the game. So what I do with them is when I get to genies, I split them out into single piles of one in my army. So I'll have like iron golems, gremlins, giants, naga, and then four indi individual piles of genies. <laughs> and why I do this is the genies have their own spells that they cast on your party members so instead of attacking or moving for their turn they just cast a spell on one of my more powerful units and it's a random spell so i'll just stack buffs on one of my units and have them be just the strongest thing in the world and walk across the map and destroy them so you can do that you can also play with a lot of ranged units so you're basically shooting uh ranged abilities across the map however ranged abilities do less damage if the person is a certain number of hexes away so you need to try and encourage them to come in within range then stall them as your archers kind of destroy them so again during combat 
The speed of the unit determines the order. You have the option to move, move an attack, use a ranged ability, wait, which means you will then be put at, you, you will essentially get to go again in that round, but you didn't do anything, right? So you're basically saying, I'm going to pause my turn for that specific unit, come back to me after everybody else is gone. There's defend, which does exactly that. Your defense goes up, so you can deflect some damage. I do this a lot because I build a tanky army, and then I just survive while my hero casts spells on things. So you can defend. Um, and alternatively, you can just skip, right? So you have all these different units. So generally for me, what I do is I have this tanky army, and I have all my units wait. Because the opponent is going to have to walk across the map with me, which means, I can, which means then I can get the first shot on them as well. So an entire turn is every unit getting to go once. So if my first unit, is, it's their turn, and I hit wait, and then every other unit goes, it'll go back to the unit that waited. Once they're done, the next round or turn starts. Within each round, every unit gets to go once, and your heroes, each of the respective heroes, get to cast one spell. Now, early on, these spells are not nearly as impactful. There are things like Magic Bolt, which just does a certain amount of damage. You can slow a unit, which reduces their speed and movement capability. So if there's something very strong, I will slow that unit, and then I will proceed to kite them around an object on the battlefield. <laughs> just indefinitely. I'll just sit there and slow them, kite them, throw lightning bolts at them, kite them, slow them, etc., etc. Right. Later on, when you start to get higher tiers of magic, fire, earth, water, and air your spells become substantially more powerful. And on top of that, when you become a master of magic, the buffs or debuffs that you can apply become AoE. So slow goes from being a single target buff or debuff to being an AoE debuff. Every unit is slowed, and it's very impactful. On top of that, there's an ability called Bless, which allows all of your creatures to do the maximum range of their ability. So those gnolls I talked about that do one to two damage, they now do two damage always until Bless wears off. There's Stone Skin, which is an Earth spell, which decreases damage taken, etc., etc. There are very, very, very cool spells in this game. There are things like Resurrect. So if a unit dies, you can fucking resurrect them. And if it's a high-tier unit, it's terrifying. Because final-tier units... Okay, so I said the Gnolls have 10 health, which is probably right. A final-tier unit can have 300 health. So... A null has 10, this unit has 300. If I resurrect one of these 300 health creatures, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, there's spells like Chain Lightning, which hits four different units. There's Armageddon that hits everybody's units, including your own. There's Destroy Undead, which does AoE damage to all undead units, which is crazy. Um, there's a bunch of debuffs that you can do. You can create objects and obstacles in the battlefield so that they can't get to you. You can create force fields so they can't get to you. Um, what else can you do that's like really interesting? You can clone your units to, to create distractions. You can heal your units. You can dispel your units. You can blind the opponents, which means they, they're forced to skip their turn. You can silence your opponent. There's all these, there's 50, 60 different spells you can get that all do different things. Some of them are just direct damage. Some of them are debuffs. Some of them are buffs. Some of them interact with the different battlefields. And some of them can be used outside of combat. There's Fly, which allows you to fly around the map. You can teleport your hero. There's Town Portal, which allows you to portal back to your town, obviously. Um, this, is, I, this is why I play Magic. I think it's super fun. It's, it, it's crazy creative. And the army styles that I end up building are very interesting because my whole purpose is I'm just stalling. I'm not, my units are not there to do damage to you. I'm just stalling as long as I can. Uh, so it's kind of cool. Uh, each unit has their own flavor text that gives them a different effect. So the 
hell. I think I, I don't know what the actual race is called. I think it's called Inferno. They have hell units. They have like hellhounds, imps, pit fiends, uh, Cerberi. Their last unit is a devil, and their their final tier unit is called the Arch Devil. And they're they're badasses. They they have crazy damage. They can teleport anywhere on the battlefield. And they, the way that they teleport is they like curl into themselves and turn into a plume of smoke and reappear wherever you tell them to go. And while <laughs> they're sitting there, like in between units' turns, they sit there and do like these basic animations. And what he does is he points his finger at people and beckons them with his finger. So he's just taunting people during the fight, which is so funny. But the reason I bring up the, the devil is on the they they hate angels, so they do fifty percent bonus damage to angels. Conversely, the city, the, the good guys, whatever you want to call them, I actually don't know what they're called. Their final unit is called an angel, which becomes, I think, an archangel. They both hate each other. <laughs> so they both do bonus damage to each other. So whichever one of them goes first is probably going to kill the other one, which is really right. funny to watch because they could both fly anywhere on the map or anywhere in the battlefield. Um, so there are all these little intricacies. Certain units do bonus damage to other ones. Certain ones are more resistant to spells. Some of them are immune to different types of spells. Undead, my, I won't go super far in depth with this, but Undead have one of the coolest strats ever. And essentially what it is, is you pick the hero who specializes specifically in vampires, and you only build fucking vampires. The reason is, when you get to tier 2 vampires, when they attack, they lifesteal. So what you do is you get a hero with a little bit of magic, you give them like stone skin so they become tankier, they run in, they get hit, they counter So let's say they get hit, they lose two of them. They counterattack and heal back to full while doing damage. And then on their turn, they hit something and then they heal for more. And then you hit them, they counterattack and they heal back. <laughs> it is the funniest thing in the world to watch because once they start getting going, if they actually are able to get their lifesteal going, you, it's unstoppable. They'll just, they'll just float around the map and just keep lifestealing. So you only build vampires. You build nothing else because the opponent will just kill it and you don't even care because you just want to kill things with vampires. That's another strategy you can do. So as you're walking around the map, there are all these different things you can interact with. Um, there are different facilities. There are certain, uh, certain objects or, or certain structures out on the map outside of your town that can produce units. You have to visit those weekly, another one of those kind of weekly things. There are also artifacts. I haven't even talked about this yet. So your hero, uh, think like a regular RPG. You have a helm slot, a ring slot, a weapon slot, a shield slot, a boot slot, etc., etc. Your hero has this. And as you're acquiring artifacts, they do a million different things, and they all fill these different slots. So there's like, I forget what the boots are called, but they make you, you make your hero move faster. There's equestrian riding gloves, which make your hero move faster. There's a sword that, makes your, that gives your hero plus 12 attack, minus 2 defense, which again, any of your stats affect and benefit your units during combat. So there's all these different artifacts you can get. Um, there are certain ones that give you schools of magic. They give you different spells. There are rings that give you extra morale. And I, even talk, I talked about this a little bit, but during combat, if you have high morale or low morale, um, if you have low morale, your unit can skip its own turn. And you can get low morale by having a clusterfuck of an army. So if you have a lot of different units from different factions, they don't like that. They're racist. So they end up just losing their turn. So you'll, you'll see this kind of sad morale icon appear, and your unit skips its turn. Conversely, if they have high morale, when you attack, it, uh, after you attack in certain instances, you'll get this really great sound that everybody who's played the game knows. Uh, if it occurs, your, your unit gets to go again, which can be really beneficial. <laughs> On top of that, if you have high luck, uh, you can have a chance to get a critical strike. And what that means is essentially you get the maximum damage available for that unit. So all of your stats for your hero can impact combat um, it, just so much. It can, it can have so much impact on it. 
Um, so there are different artifacts you can do. Additionally, you can have multiple heroes, which is one of the reasons why I really like this game. You can have one of your main hero, which walks around and does all your fighting. You can have two other heroes that are focused on logistics. They are picking up all your weekly stuff. They are picking up all the stuff your main hero leaves behind. And they're transporting a, a, a uh, army units to your main unit. So you kind of have like this supply chain going where your, your main hero is like roaming around the map. And then you have like two heroes that are pinging back and forth. One of them is picking up resources. And the other one's weekly bringing a larger army so that you can continue to keep moving forward. Um... So as you move around the map, you see these all these different creatures. The final tier units are very cool. Each race has a completely unique set of, of units, different stats, different strategies, different effects, and then they all have a final tier unit that does different things. How many races? Uh, for instance, I, uh, I want to say there's nine with, with the new one that Damn. they added with the cove. Yeah. And the, the one that I've been playing a lot is Conflux. It's elementals. So they have like water elemental, earth elemental, air elemental, fire elemental, oh, that's cool. uh, pixies, um, psychic elementals, which are badass they look so cool let me show you a picture of these i love the way these guys move um and then their final unit is a phoenix and what's cool about the phoenix is when they die they have a chance to resurrect once per combat so oh, they're pretty shit. funny because you throw them in they do damage and then they can cut they uh they can come back to life uh, hold on one second uh, so you don't like this game very much uh, this is like my favorite game ever it, it's so ridiculous the, these guys are champs i love these units so this this is their tier one and what I love about them too is they don't they don't swing. Okay, that's weird. It just crashed. Uh, they don't swing. They just kind of like raise their head up and they deal because psych they're psychic elementals, right? Oh, so right. they just deal psychic damage to everything around them, <laughs> and they can't be counterattacked because they didn't actually attack you. Okay. Um, that's their tier one, and then this is their tier two. This picture is too tiny for me to understand what in the hell is okay. going on. Never mind. I'll send you later. Anyways, um, so last thing is to win the game. <laughs> to win the game. Well, what's great about this is so I'm doing all of that, my brother's doing all of that, and other people are doing the same thing. So you're trying to figure out where they are, figure out where their armies are, and tear them apart. When you when you get to the point where you start killing other people's heroes, you're doing good. You're probably going to win the game because as you start killing heroes, you get experience for that, which makes you stronger, which makes your unit stronger, which makes you kind of snowball. Also, if you kill a hero with artifacts, you acquire all the artifacts they have, which can be a massive game changer. But the last thing I'll talk about is sieging. So when you attack somebody's city... For the most part, they're going to have a castle. Castles are a must early on, so generally people have castles. What castles do is, in addition to their hero and their eight units on the battlefield, or eight piles of units on the battlefield, they have three archer towers within their castle. Each round, all three of those archers will automatically fire at somebody on your side and do damage. They are very smart. They will generally shoot at ranged units or flying units because flying units can get inside the castle. The reason... It, that, that that matters is um, melee units can't get in the castle. There's generally either a moat, or for my race, there's landmines, which is great. So if they walk up to the gate, they will literally hit landmines and die. And each round uh, that happens, this person who is sieging, their catapult will attack the wall. And it, the, the walls, once they fall down, you can go through the opening. Or if they hit the door, it's random. that You don't get to control it. So if it hits the door, then you can obviously go through the door when it falls. It's like a drawbridge. So essentially the strategy of the person defending is turtle in your base, last as long as possible, and just have your archers plus your ranged units plus your hero spells bombard them. The person attacking, however, they want to try and get inside because what they want to do is they want to try and kill your ranged units and ultimately take uh, just kill everything. Um, if you have an ability for your hero called Ballista and you are an expert at it, not only does your catapult fire twice, but you get to pick the targets. 
So you can tell it to attack their archers in the tower early on and eliminate them. It doesn't have a guarantee, but if you take out their archers, it's a major difference because their archers do a lot of damage. Um, also, another really cool thing about this game, there is a race um, that is barbaric. I, I think they're barbarians. I can't think of the name of them. They have a unit called a Cyclops. And what they do is they're these really buff dudes with one eye and a faux hawk, and they have boulders. And they literally just throw the boulder at somebody for their action. What they can do in siege, in siege times, they can fucking throw a rock at the wall and act as a catapult. So in addition to your ballista, or your catapult, excuse me, firing rocks, your cyclops can also throw rocks at the wall to knock them down, which is pretty cool. It uses their turn, but it's pretty cool. Um, if you are successful in a siege, you take over the city, you kill their horsemen, and you're probably going to win at that point. Because once you have multiple cities going, your econ goes crazy. And if you think about it, the more bases you have, the more units you can produce, and you just start to snowball out of control. Um, this game's incredible. There's way too much depth to this game. I have played <laughs> I in that. the last two weeks. I've probably played 50 hours. I've played a shit ton of this game. I it, historically, I've probably played close to a thousand hours. I spent every weekend playing this game at my friend's house. Saturday and Sunday, I would spend every weekend with him. We'd wake up early in the morning and play all day while eating ramen. Great game. You can play it hot seat. You can play it online. These people that designed Horde of the Abyss, I love them. Their online system is amazing. The updates that they can, they didn't update this week. It's just crazy. The game's in multiple languages. Uh, the online servers are incredible. The people online are very helpful and very friendly. And they keep adding content. And it's not things that are, gonna, that are generally going to impact the game, but there's small things like extra maps, new campaigns. I talked about the random map generator, which is super cool. Uh, they added new features on the map that you can do that are like different types of uh, structures that you can interact with or different creatures, which is really cool. Um, I think that's the game in a nutshell. I think that's the shortest description I can give of this game. <laughs> well, uh, I like it, it's so funny. Okay. So, so Harry and I, Harry, my brother, my younger brother, and I, we sit in Discord calls all day playing this game. And it's funny because people message us and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? We'll add them to the call. And they're like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, it's Heroes of My Magic. You should try it. It's really fun. And then they're like, well, what's it like? And I'm like, fuck do you have two hours <laughs> Sit down. Like, we're, we're gonna have to talk about this like i i, I and then they're like watching me like oh wait where's your hero i'm like they're like what do you mean like i saw your horseman what where, where's he in this combat so like watching the combat field i'm like oh well he's up there but he doesn't actually fight and they're like oh your hero doesn't fight and then i'm at the the town screen they're like wait you're in a town are you building things and i'm like, I'm like yeah well you have a base <laughs> you build with and you have a hero that moves units and your hero levels and he has abilities and he has artifacts and he can cast spells and you move around the map and there's other people playing, and it's like, I don't have enough fingers. Like, I need to start counting toes of all the different different aspects of this game. Right. Harry and I hope that somebody either makes it, uh, uh, tries to produce this in a newer game, because I would love to see somebody try and try and translate this into something new. Because if they did it well, I would play the living shit out of it. But I I cannot speak highly enough of this game. It is such a fun game, and it's so rewarding to win because it is. It, there's so much strategy that goes into it, and there's risks. Right, there's a lot of risk that goes in early on because you're like, okay, I have early on. I'm not even joking. You might have like six units, and I don't mean six piles of units. You might have six total units in your entire army, and you're like, okay, they, that army is a few Minotaur. Well, Minotaur are really strong, and in a straight up fight, I would lose that every time. But if I kite them around, I should be able to win. I don't have a lot of mana though. I'm gonna risk it, and then you go into it, and you might fuck up, and then you have to retreat. And when you retreat, your horseman lives, but you have to purchase them again, which costs money, and it sets you back. But if you win that, well, suddenly you get Pandora's box. And what is Pandora's box? It could be anything. Because there's literally Pandora's box that appear on the map. And they're usually guarded by really, really tough monsters. 
And the Pandora's box can have five skeletons, 10,000 experience, which is a shit ton, 50,000 gold, a super unit, an artifact, you name it, whatever you want, a scroll. Uh, sometimes it teaches you 50 spells. It's literally Pandora's box, and I love it. It's so funny. In the campaign, it can kill you. Uh, oddly enough, it can just literally kill you, which is really funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, cool. I, I can't, talk, can't talk enough about this game. It, it's such a creative game. I love it to death. It 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 is one of those games that I whenever I revisit, I'm like I'm into this again. I'm ba- I'm back in. And what's crazy? Every time I play it, I try a different strategy. The last time I played, I was really big on on doing early game and getting a really quick, uh, trying to get like an early eco going or like a quick army going to roam around the map. This game, or this time I'm playing, I'm purely magic focused. I'm trying to find the best town that supports, because not every race has good people who can use magic. They also can't get the highest level of mage guilds, so you can't get the late game spells. And the late game spells are devastating, so you want to make sure to get them. So when I'm picking different champions, you're like, okay, I want to play this faction. And then you can start with one of 20 different heroes. And you're like, uh, this one starts with this, this one starts with this. I want to try this one. Oh, that sucked. It was, it, was, it was good in the mid game, but it was a rough early game. I need to try something else. And you could try all these different heroes. So each faction of nine of them, they may have 15, 20 different heroes. So you can have all these different strategies that go along with them. And what's what's crazy too is even when you have all your unit producing facilities, each week you can't afford them. So you have to pick and choose which units you want to buy because generally you can't afford every single unit that's available. So again, that derives strategy, creates different different uh, sort of paths you can go down, and it's just endless. So... Yeah, that's Heroes of Might Magic. I know I've talked about this game before, but I was going to play a third game for the podcast, but because of how much time the people that this community put into this project, I thought it deserved it. I mean, they, 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 it's so good, and for GOG, no offense to GOG, because they're amazing, but for, for Ubisoft to take the game and just destroy it like this, I, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those rants. You liked it. I love the game. It is so good. I don't it, know it, it's if so I can good. follow that up. Oh, I'm sure you can. Just talk about Kingdom Hearts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, holy shit! Um, yeah, I, yeah. You have talked about it before, I think, but um, obviously not in such such depth. That's super. That's crazy to hear how good it is. Yeah, if you ever want to play, let me know. I'd be happy to. If you have two and a half hours, we can talk about getting started. <laughs> right, that's what I was say. Hell yeah! Okay, sweet. Well, um, damn, that's that's super awesome. It's always good to hear like when a game is that good, or you know, like just you're not even that and good, but like when you up. love a game that much, and it still holds up, which is crazy. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Well, shit. Let's let's talk about um. I guess my my other game that I've got. Last okay. one of the evening before we get on top fives and emails. <gasps> Excuse me. My other game is Railroad Tycoon 2. This oh, is, cool. I've always wondered how these games are. Yeah, this is the first one of these that I've played. It came, it came out in 1998 for PC. It was also uh, ported to Dreamcast and PS1, apparently. I don't know. It seems like it would be kind of tough to play it on those. Cause this is really a mouse and keyboard or a mouse type game. But anyway... It's a business management simulator. You know, it's a tycoon game where you own a railroad company. And uh, is it know, made by the same company that made Roller Coaster Tycoon? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'll have to look I, I would up. think so, but I don't know. Okay, sorry. I, I really am not sure. It very well may be. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. But uh, I I started playing this yesterday. I was kind of you know 
sitting at home, not doing much. I really was kind of in the mood for kind of like a time waster. And yep. I was like, you know, I, I could really go for a sim game right now just to kind of sink some hours into. <laughs> so uh, I started looking at some and just some that I hadn't played yet. And this one popped up. I was like, and it, people seem to like it. So I was like, let's give this one a shot. Seems like it could be cool. So the gameplay is um, you start off with a map and there are various maps that you can get. You can get a map of like the whole United States or just one section of the United States or other countries and this and that, depending on what size you want and you know the landscape and all that. You start off with sure. the map. It's got various buildings all throughout the map. And, and usually the maps are, you know, pretty large. Uh, various buildings, houses, factories, farms, all this kind of stuff around the map. Uh, Meatpacking plants, granaries, dairy farms, cotton mills, you know, iron and steel factories. And, uh, and, and it's all kind of laid out. It looks vaguely kind of like a SimCity game. Not, not the first one, but maybe one of the ones after it, SimCity 2000 or 3000. You know, you're not, okay. they're, but they're, they're not cities that you're looking at. It's just, it's mostly just a big grass landscape with buildings here and there. So I don't mean that it looks like a city, but kind of like the perspective and the general graphics are, are something like SimCity 2000 sure. or 3000. And so you start off on the map and the first thing you do is create a company. For your uh, railroad, you, you create your what company. You your company? Uh, Donkers Express. Of and, course you did. You're and uh, you create your company and then you have to determine where, the next thing to do is determine where you want train stations. Usually you have enough money, all things said and done, to start off with about two train stations. One in one place, one in another place, and you're going to and you're gonna connect them with uh, with railroad tracks, of course. Uh, the train okay. stations where there are three different size train stations and they, and the sizes depend with the size with the bigger sizes do is they gives them a larger area that they serve uh, of buildings that they serve around them. So whatever buildings are kind of inside the radius of, you know, the area around the, uh, the train station, those are the buildings that, that you, that, that train station will serve. So it can deliver to those buildings or take supplies from those buildings. So there might be a cluster of buildings, but if you only put a small train station by it, it will only capture kind of a few of those buildings to serve. So most of the time I found that the way they have them spread out usually is you often need the largest size train station to, to serve everything in one little cluster of, of buildings. Makes sense. So you've got a train station here. You put a train station somewhere else in some other cluster of various types of buildings. And then, like I said, you, you connect them with, with train tracks. Next thing you do, is you purchase a train to run shipments back and forth. Now you only purchase like the engine part of the train, you know, the front, the, 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 the front part, all the individual cars, you change the, you don't actually pay for the individual cars. You just buy the oh, train okay. itself. What the other cars do is they basically, you do have to pay for them indirectly, but cause they add weight and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, okay. and, and weight will, will make it sl go slower. It also, you know, makes it, uh, I'm not sure if actually the, the extra cars make it more prone to, or, you know, make it need more maintenance or not. Um, I'm actually not sure about that, but you know, they'll, they'll slow it down <laughs> and stuff. So you only use however many cars you want, but you don't have to pay for the individual ones. The thing you're buying is the train itself. And then you, after you choose the train you want, then you, um, Start, then you start its its uh its course. So, like I said, typically it's just one end to the other, and you don't even really have a loop yet. So it'll go to one place, pick up whatever it needs, 
go back to the other place, drop stuff, that stuff off, pick up what it needs there, and then just go back and forth. And you have an interface where you tell it, you know, what it's going to pick up at each place and then what it's going to change to the next place, uh, what it's going to pick up from there to take it back to wherever it's going after that. And so that's how you start off pretty simply two stations that it's that you have a train going back and forth between. Then from there, as you start, as it starts doing this, you start earning money. You want to start expanding, obviously. So what you're doing <clears throat> is you're building other stations near other kind of like little towns or groups of buildings, whether it's uh, residential buildings or, you know, like farms and factories and whatnot. And eventually you're making loops instead of just a straight back and forth line. You're making branches where, you know, some trains might go off this way, sometimes might go off that way. You're buying additional trains to serve different routes or just to be able to, you know, serve higher volume on the same routes that you already have. Uh, at the same time, there are AI controlled players doing the same thing, you know, building out their companies, expanding their railroad tracks and their routes and buying more trains and trying to make as much money as they can. This has, this, this is one of the most impressive sim games I've ever played. It is fantastic. It is, it has so much depth that I was, I was really kind of blown away. So, you know, you, you're choosing your trains. You got to choose a train based on, you know, speed, reliability and that stuff. And then you have, and then you're choosing its route. And like I said, when you start off, it's just one place back and forth to the, to the next. But once you expand basically anywhere past that, it's not just saying go here and then go there after the word. You can make it do a loop or you can have it go back and forth between two places or you can kind of have it go back and forth in a line between three places. You choose specifically where it stops and when. And then more importantly than that, you're choosing what, so you need to look at what is needed, um, like what is in demand at each stop and what every stop before that can supply. And then you're telling the train what to carry to each place. So you might have a route where it goes like from point A to point B to point C and then back to point B and back to point A, or you might skip B on the way back and just go from C back to A, however you want it to be. But then you're saying, okay, when you're at station A, I want you to take a car of uh, people and a car of grain and a car of cattle because that's what's going to be needed on these other places. Then when you get to B, um, you're going to drop off all the people and then pick up an extra thing of grain. You're going to take all that to C. Then, then at C, maybe they've got a bunch of I don't know, fucking cotton or, or mail is even one of the things that you can, that you can take to basically to deliver. And, uh, you're going to pick up all that, take it back to a, and then do this, you know, and, and then repeat, do this kind of basically in, in, in a loop, not, not, not necessarily that the train track has to be in a loop, but that's, that's the route that it's going to go over and over and over again. Um, then eventually as you expand, you're going to have, it's, it's, it's cool because, you know, as you expand and build more, you just have these big networks of railroads, bunch of different trains. Cause then, you know, you're buying more trains to do different routes and, uh, you're just trying to make everything as efficient as possible. Now, what's super cool during all this is the economy is organic. So everything you do affects the economy of every place that you touch. So hmm. if, if there's a, if there's a town that a lot of people want to visit, and you're shipping and you know you have cars that carry people then that might lower the population of one town and raise it at the other place and then that's going to change the supply and demand 
for people cars, that's going to change also what what that town needs. So that one stop, once you get more people there, it might need like more. Okay, here's an, here's another example. So you might connect uh, meatpacking plants to houses. That gives the uh, the meatpacking plants more business because the houses need meat, and so therefore they're getting more. You know, assuming you're delivering it. So then that's going to raise the demand of the meatpacking plants. They're going to need more cows. So that demand goes up there. So then you can find a place that, you know, like a, like a, uh, a, just a, a farm, a cow, a, a cattle farm okay. and start shipping cows from that place to these meatpacking plants that suddenly have an increase in their demand for cows because they're sending more goods to the people. So then you set up a place there with the cows. And then from there, the, the cows, the, the, the cattle ranches, they need more grain to raise more cows because now suddenly more people are buying their cows. So then you can find a place that's got grain, if there is one, and start shipping grain that way. So everything is, is organically affected uh, economically just by the routes that you set up and the things that you ship and all, and all this. Um, now, what's also really cool is that... Um, you're buying all these railroads, you're setting up train stations, and but not only are you buying these things, but you can even buy individual factories themselves completely independent of anything having to do from the train station. So any building wow. on the map that like does something, you can pur- you can purchase that building itself and get its profits. And it, the purchase price is based entirely on how profitable it is. So you might see this, you know, this, this cattle ranch, for instance, that's not making any profit, but you're about to hook it up to, uh, a, uh, a meatpacking plant that needs to ship in more cattle. So you can buy it then while it's cheap and not doing any business, then hook it up to the rest of your railroad. All of a sudden it's doing tons of business. You got to buy it cheap, but now you're making a big profit off of that. And it's just kind of like a side thing that you do is buy these factories before you hook them up, buy them at a cheap price. And then if, and then eventually they start raking in tons of profit for you. It's really cool. I think I thought that you could do like step outside of the actual train stuff and, and do these like business, deci- these other kind of like tangential business decisions. Um, yeah. At the same time, the train stations themselves, you're not only setting up a train station and it's actually sort of similar to uh, the heroes of might and magic. You, um, can buy like additional buildings that that provide benefits at each train station. Just it's really similar to how you buy buildings at your base in Heroes of Might and Magic. You can buy uh, like an oil station to refill trains as they're going through an oil. You gotta have some of those, or else like they're gonna run out of oil and they go like super slow. It might break down. Same with water towers. Okay. Trains have to have enough water to kind of keep the engines cool. Or no no no, I'm sorry. It's not to keep the engines cool. It's it's for the steam engines. So you got to have water towers periodically. So, you know, you usually you'll start off and you'll have at least one main train station that you buy at least oil, a water tower, and um, oh, there's like it's like a sand station, and I, I didn't really quite understand what it does, but sand somehow helps them go uh, if they're going up like a steep grade. It makes them it like helps them get up these hills easily, more easily somehow. Um, then on top of that, you can buy um, like saloons, which which raises the 
uh, income that you get from people that you drop off at that place. Same with hotels. Then you can also buy refrigerators where if it's a place that sells some sort of good that needs to be refrigerated, it'll help you have more of that stuff every time your train comes through to pick up that thing from there. You can also buy like warehouses that hold grain. So if it's a place that you're, you're buying a lot of grain from, there will be, if you have a warehouse that can hold grain, there will be more grain there for you to pick up every time your train comes through. Lots of things like this to upload, to, to upgrade individual train stations in like all these different ways, depending on, you know, what's there, what you're buying from there, what you need there, what you're dropping off, uh, what your trains need to, to keep running efficiently so they don't break down and, and waste money. Um, What's also really, really cool about this is that when you're playing the game, you're playing an individual person. You're playing your own character who's the owner of the company. Not You're not playing the okay. company itself. You're playing one guy who owns the company. Now, and you even have like your, own, your old, like old timey portrait that you, like from 1800s style that you get to pick who's your guy. Um... And what's important, the, the important distinction here is that you're playing the owner of the company rather than the company itself, is that the goal is to raise your own personal wealth, okay? So obviously, you need your company to make money so that you can spend that money and it, it keep expanding the company, but the goal of the game is to raise your own personal wealth, which you get by two ways. One, you get a salary from the board of directors of your company. Based on how good you do, how much money you, you earn for them, they raise or lower your salary regularly throughout the game. What's also cool, though, is that you um, can buy stock. So whenever your company's stock is low, you know, if you think it's you're going to start, you know, you're going to do something that's going to make it start better, you want to buy a bunch of stock, obviously. And you kind of, you typically kind of do that throughout the whole entire game because your wealth is calculated on the actual money you have plus the value of the stock that you have. Um, Makes sense. But what's also cool is two things. One... You can buy stock in other companies. So all these competing railroads out there, you're you're free. You know, you're just an individual. You're free to buy their stock as much as you want. So if somebody's just killing you and you think they're gonna keep like doing a lot better, then you just buy their stock and you're raising your own Jeez. you're raising your own money and it doesn't matter. You can also like, keep doing work for me. Huh? You're just like telling them like keep doing work for me. <laughs> right, exactly. Also you can just start a second company. So you can own multiple companies for whatever reason. I don't, I don't actually know what, I mean, I think, I guess one thing it could do is like different companies. Uh, well, you have a manager of your company and they provide different kind of like perks. That wasn't okay. something that I got much into, but different uh, managers will, will help you in, in different ways. So I guess if you need, like, if you think you need a different type of manager for a different area of the map, then, then that, this is just kind of me thinking, you know, shooting from the cuff. But, uh, I guess you could like, you know, you would want to start another company maybe to move over to this other part of the map, as opposed to just using the same one so that you can have another manager who might help you better in that way. I don't actually know a whole lot more beyond that, beyond as to what difference it would make, why you would specifically want to do that. But it's really cool just that you can just, yeah, be, just, just own multiple companies. Um, cause again, you're just a guy doing all this. You don't necessarily have to just, just play this one company. Everything about this game, wow. like, just blew me. I was so surprised. I, I thought it was going to be basically, like, you know, make your train routes as efficient as possible. Yeah. And that was basically it. But it is... Rollercoaster Tycoon with trains. Yeah. 
it is so it is like truly a, a, a simulation game. Just the fact that they modeled the economy, you know, that they have an organically model, an organic economy, not even model, just an organically functioning economy. All these other little things you can do to earn money, buying buildings, starting second, starting other companies, buying competitors, stocks, and all this. I was, and, and then, and you know, that's not to say I don't want to get drawn away from the fact that the train railroad simulation itself is also really, really killer. Um, I was blown away, and on top of all this. The soundtrack is amazing. Listen, what? It's like a hardcore. It's like really legitimate blues music. Um, I'm gonna play a little bit here. I'm, I'm linking it to you. I'm gonna play a little bit uh, on the podcast also. But just check this out for a second. It is so good. Like some of it kind of reminded me of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Some of it's a little bit more, a little bit more country, but it's all. A lot of it is really heavily blues based. There's like harmonica, acoustic guitar, electric guitar. Just skip around on this for a second, and it is. Uh, and it's and, it, and it's not just a five minute loop, you know. There are a number of different songs on here. That Do all they have this made specifically for this game? I believe so. That's a good question. I don't. That's crazy. I, I don't think any of this was. Uh, I think this is all you know written for this game. Somebody poured their heart and soul into a soundtrack for Railroad Tycoon. That's actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it I was shocked by everything. It is so good. It's awesome. So yeah, I mean, th- my only complaint is that sometimes the UI is a little bit clunky. Mm. What year did it. this come out? Sorry, ninety-eight. Okay. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to tell where you need to uh, put your tracks so that they'll line up like with your stations just right. Ah, okay. Um, and then one kind of annoying thing is that when you, when you buy a new train, uh, or no, sorry, if, when you, when you, when you, when you set new track and build a new route, and then you want to go add on, add add a stop to, uh, to one of your trains existing routes, you either, you can only add it to the very end. If you want to add it to the middle of the route, then you have to kind of delete their whole route and then recreate the whole thing again, manually, (laughs) which isn't that big of a deal. Um, but it would have been nice to just be like, okay, insert this stop here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I that's it. it. I, like I said, this game, I was so surprised at how how good this is. Yeah. It was freaking good. What else? I think that's all I got. That's it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't have 45 more minutes of stuff to talk about. Clearly, it's not good. As, it's not as good well, as... Only- Palm three. Oh, listen, it's completely different, uh, different perspectives, but only when you have something negative to say about a game, can you talk about it for 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's how that's, I'm that's, just teasing. No, that's true. Um, yeah, I highly recommend this. Uh, it's so good. Would you say it's super duper fun? <laughs> I would say it's super duper fun. Yeah. I, I told you. So I bought it yesterday, played it for like a couple hours, then had to do other stuff. And then this morning I started playing, I played this for probably, four hours this morning as well. Um, Christ. It's 
freaking good game. Caught me off guard. Yeah. All right, Jay, let's go on to top fives. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Look, we don't have a ton of emails, I will say that. So, um, that's you gonna... almost said luckily. I, 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 well, luckily, just so that I you and I can get to sleep. Something I, I, know, I know. I honestly, wait, wait, I honestly like right now. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I genuinely do enjoy doing long podcasts, but at some point, it's like, it's getting fucking late. <laughs> Also, right now, like I've been sleeping a lot more for you know health concerns and stuff. So, um, yeah, I totally understand what I understand what you're saying. I'm just teasing you. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's let's do top five games that you like, but that take the longest to get going, or best games with the slowest starts. I I didn't do games I necessarily like, but games that got better once you got through the first okay. first stretch. Just throwing that out there. All right. Uh, why don't you go first? What's your number five? Sure. My number five, th- there's a lot of these types. of. I, I, so I, I, there are three RPGs on my list. I limited myself to three at most. I tried to do two, but I couldn't think of a third game that wasn't an RPG that I could talk about. But a lot of the Mario-based RPGs have these very, very lengthy openers where you're like, I get it. Like, th- So my example is Paper Mario. Love Paper Mario to death. Exceptional game. Love the humor. Love the graphics. Love the music. Love the gameplay. But what irritates me is the early stages of the game. It's a really long cutscene, and then you're you're basically walking around doing like really basic shit. Then they slowly introduce combat to you and teach you the mechanics, and then teach you the extra mechanics. And by the time you finally get started, you're, I don't even know how long. Probably an hour, maybe maybe a little bit more. It feels like forever, but it's it's like I just want to play the game. Like I just want to play the RPG. I just want to get the badges. I just want to walk around and interact with different things and get different heroes and level and do all that stuff. And it takes so long to get there that it's just it it's rough for me. I usually fast forward a lot of it now, but okay. cause I usually play on emulators, but the first little bit is just such a struggle. And they do this with a lot of the, the Mario based RPGs where the beginning is just such a drag. Like I understand they're setting up the story. The stories aren't the best in these games. So like, I'd rather just get into the gameplay and start leveling. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I had a little bit more trouble with this th- list than I thought I was going to. But I, I'm pretty happy with what I ended up with. Um, my my number five, however, is kind of cheating. Um, Interesting. This is uh, Star Wars Dark Forces Two, the one that I talked about <laughs> a minute ago, because yeah. the whole game isn't really that good, as I said. However, if you count the expansion Mysteries of the Sith. As part of it, then then I'm going to say the whole entire Star Wars Dark Forces 2 isn't good, but then Mysteries of the Sith is, which <laughs> you, you, I'm, I know you have to own, I mean, it's an expansion, so you obviously have to own Dark Forces 2 to play it. I don't remember if you have to have a save where Star Wars Dark Forces 2 is completed. Probably not, actually. But regardless, it comes after that one. So I'm going to say the lead up, the entire Star Wars Dark Forces 2 is not good, but then Mysteries of the Sith is good. So that's kind of cheating, but that's the best I could come up with for my fifth one. Uh, my number four is Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, very it's not its not amazing game to play today, but when you first play it, very, very fun game. It was before the age of the internet. I'm not going to go super far into this because I've talked about before. Amazing game before the internet was crazy uh, big. It was like early 2000s, like 2001 or 2000 even. Uh, GameCube era game. But Animal Crossing has this very, very long tutorial where they hold your hand and walk you through so much shit that when you get done, you're like, oh my God, just stop. But the problem is this game is 
has a real clock in it. And after I think it's like 10 p.m., Nook, who's the shop owner in the town, he closes. So you buy the game and you start playing at 4 p.m. and you do the tutorial, which takes a long time to get through. And then when you get done, he closes. And you're like, are you kidding me? And I have to wait until tomorrow morning in <laughs> real life to play the game. And it's like, oh, like, stop. Like, just let me play the game. So the, the tutorial is a little bit of a pain in the ass. And they limit, to the, they limit the amount of things you can do, which is kind of devastating at times, unfortunately. That's a good one. I I didn't play. I haven't played much Animal Crossing, but that probably would have been on my list if I had. If I had. If I had. Yeah. Um. Number four. I'm gonna go with Seaman. This is the one where you raise the little fish with human faces on Dreamcast. Um. And I guess to be fair, it never really gets going too much. But the beginning of the game, you're just staring at a tank with these little, like fish eggs basically in it and yeah, i'm already talking about this and it's uh and then you just gotta like nurse them for a while until stuff starts happening so that's a pretty slow start is it a good game once it uh once you get past that portion of it it's a unique game i would not call it a good game i appreciate the things that it, that it does and it tries to do uh mm. i really do i genuinely do but it's just not that it's not very fun Cool. Uh, my number three is Half-Life. Half-Life is, is a game that once you start, once you actually start playing the game, all hell breaks loose. And the intro is not that long. It's like eight minutes, ten minutes or something, but it feels very long because it starts out, you're basically, I think you're getting on like some sort of cart or some sort of transportation device. You get some sort of foreshadowing type stuff where they give you basic introductions to what's going on. There's like audio playing. And then you get there, you interact with this doctor, and then all hell breaks loose. But for those first like eight minutes, like come on, like something's gonna happen, like you know it's gonna. Then once it starts, you're like, okay, stop, like let's let's slow it down. We don't need this much shit going on at once. <sighs> but the, those first like eight minutes, especially if you play it for a second time, you're just like hitting the uh, the use command. I think it's E, just like repeatedly, just like spamming it, just standing there jumping or crouching or whatever, because you're just like, come on, I just want to start playing this game. Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, number three for me is X Wing. Fantastic game. Uh, space flight sim but uh it is uh, or space i guess dog fight sim it would be more accurate but um it but so fantastic game however when you first start it it's like all right now let's teach you how to fly an x-wing let's do all these little training courses where you're just flying through fucking rings and you have to get them in a certain amount of time. Uh, but if you fail, you got to start all the way over. So it's not just a tutorial. It's like actual missions that you have to pass in order to uh, move on with the game. And they're they're boring. They're kind of tough, so you have to redo a lot of them. And it, it takes quite a while to do. I don't remember how long. Uh, I feel like it was an hour or so. I could be way off on that, though, because it's been too long since I've played it. But regardless... It's st- before you actually get to do fun stuff. It sticks you in this in all these little training courses that that suck and, and take too long. Cool. Uh, my number two, and as I was talking before, not a game that I necessarily like, but has a very very slow start. Final Fantasy VIII. 
Final Fantasy VIII, along with a lot of the other Final Fantasy games, has a very, very slow start. But for me, this one was kind of painful. The game doesn't really start until you leave the first town, which is similar in a lot of Final Fantasy games. But for me, this felt like a super grind that took a long amount of time to get through. They have Generally, you learn the card game. You learn the basic combat mechanics. You have to interact with another number of people and start learning about the, the structure of the story. It felt really long. And I think it was partially because I didn't enjoy it that much. But this was a tough one for me. Get it? Once I got out into the open world, I was like, okay, now I can have some fun. Unfortunately, it doesn't get much better for me. But the first bit was really rough. And I don't know how many hours it was, but it felt like many hours. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, my number two is Xenosaga. I remember this game, I, I think it takes about eight hours to, to get going. Wow, uh, and I was—I'm surprised that I stuck back with it uh, when I when I originally played it. Once it does get going, I I really enjoyed it. I really do like this game overall. But I remember up until like six or eight hour mark, all the battles are just you know really easy. There's not much depth to them. You're just kind of doing basic attacks and winning everything. There's just not much to it. There's super long cutscenes that I think some of them are pretty cool, but like very very long. And uh, so, there, you know, there's like a lack of gameplay there. It just, there's really not a whole lot going for it besides kind of, besides I guess the story and the aesthetic in general. Um, and well, until you hit this eight hour mark and it kind of opens up and you get more characters, you start getting to customize them a little bit and doing more fun stuff. But it's just very kind of, you're kind of railroaded for the first six to eight hours of it, if I, if I remember correctly. Wow. Number two? My number, oh, no, uh, that's my number one. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you went first. Okay. You're number one. I was like, did I, did I come out of order here? Oh, this is good. Funny enough, numbers. this one takes about eight hours to get through as well. The introduction to Kingdom Hearts 2. I've talked about this a bunch of different times in the podcast. Oh, really? The Kingdom Hearts 1, I loved to death when I first played it. Obviously, not, not, not nearly a big a fan or really a fan at all anymore. So I was very excited when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. Um, I didn't play the in-between one, the stupid Game Boy one, but I was really excited for Kingdom Hearts 2. You start playing the game, and you're not playing a Sora. And you're like, okay, well, hopefully they're going to give this sore pretty quick. Uh, no, you basically do this first six, eight, ten hour little stint where you're playing as Roxas, I think his name is. And you're in this town and you're interacting with all these people and you're basically playing the game and doing all these weird things. And you're like, what is going on? And then about eight hours in, you actually start to play the game. And for those first many hours, it is really <laughs> frustrating, really boring because guess what they can't do when you're not playing Sora? They can't develop the story. So it's a bunch of little mini games and dumb shit and <laughs> characters that you don't care about instead of Goofy and Donald and Sora. So really rough. You get a couple of cutscenes, if I'm not mistaken, where they jet back and forth. Yeah, no Goofy. I knew you, I knew you would appreciate that. Yeah. That would help. Yeah. Uh, now that you say that, the, the first Kingdom Hearts actually starts off, it starts you off on that island, you remember? Yeah. And it's like tutorial island, basically. And you're yep. there for like an hour. Yeah, I actually remember that. And you can grind, too, which is really annoying. Yep. Okay, um, my number one is Swickedon 3. And this was just kind of along the same lines of Xenosaga. Not not the game itself, but just as far as it's starting off really slow. It starts off really basic. It's just kind of a basic RPG. There's not much that interesting about the story. I don't think you even really start on... You know, Swickedon, the Swickedon games are all about... The, the big thing about them is you unlock... 100 and I always forget the exact numbers like 119 characters or something like that 
you want like a whole shitload of characters that have that you can have in your party or they can help you out in other ways and that's really cool that doesn't really start happening until later on in the game and and like i said the the for, for a while it's just everything is super basic and and i feel like it was kind of the same length as Zenosaga as far as starting to get going i i feel like i played it for about 8 hours um before it really picked up and eventually became one of my favorite rpg or you know at the time it was like I, i've said before uh, we strangely i think this is the first rpg that i played and i did end mm. up really really loving it but uh, I'm not sure why I stuck with it so long because this it, it is so slow to start. It's about eight hours or so before it really starts to get interesting. Eight hours. That's the, uh, the consistency with our message here. I guess so. That's the cutoff. All right. Our next top five is going to be, uh, given the situation that we are all in right now, <laughs> top five games to play when you have too much time to play games. So games that are good just yep. to sit down and sink tons of hours into. I think yours is going to be uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3 for your number one. Nah, I'll try to keep it off the list, even though that's what I've been playing nonstop right now. <laughs> All right. Send us your lists. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. And let's do our emails. All right. Hi, Classic Gamers. This is Father Beast. The category of games that have a slow start is kind of broad, since almost all games build some way to a bigger and better things. I don't know. There are some games which you have to start as a great master and king and end with you being a peasant kicked around by kids that want to be hoods. I kind of doubt that. So paralyzed by choice, I only have a couple of entries to on this top five and decided to go with this instead of trying to come up with more and being late again. Top, top good games which have a slow start. Number two, Bard's Tale. RPG, our RPGs are fairly typical for starting you off as a weak and unknown, but nobody quite drummed that into you like the Bard's Tale. One of the tips in the manual reads, be prepared to die a lot with level one and level two characters, especially at night, especially when you don't have any weapons and you are just walking, the, walking to Garth's shop. Eventually, you might challenge the dark god that has, has a grip on the town, but you are especially wimpy at first. Okay. Number one, Master of Magic. Strategy games are so typical, are also typical, excuse me, or at least grand strategy empire building games. Master of Magic is a game which draws heavily from the first civilization, but with magic instead of science. You start out in this podunk hamlet with maybe a couple of spearmen units, which are just barely better than unarmed citizens. You can explore the countryside with all sorts of locations to uncover, but while you might just might find uh, one with some gold laying on the ground to pick up, all of them most likely have giant spiders or something or spearmen just or something your spearmen just can't handle or worse you don't even want to think about what creatures are protecting the magic nodes you are going to eventually need you can build set a uh, settler you can build a settler to make a new city but they don't make an actual city they make an outpost you can do nothing with until it grows enough to become a hamlet and then you can start doing things sometimes you picked a bad spot for your outpost and after struggling for 15 to 20 turns you get a message that it has just kind of died out <laughs> oh yeah your opponent pretty funny uh you get a, a um Oh yeah, your opponents are out are out there somewhere too. Make no mistake, by endgame you can cast spells that affect the entire world. But at a start, you struggle to find enough mana to enchant one of your unit's weapons. <laughs> so that's all I had. 
I wonder if I missed some of the uh, missed the point of the list and meant something different. Ah, well, I'll find out when I listen to the episode. Still listening, Father Beast. Cool. Very cool. All right, uh, two more. We got Chase the Night Cleaner up next. He says, uh, okay. "Hello, Jay and Robert. Uh, Chase the Night Cleaner. He, oh, the subject is because who doesn't need some in quotes loving? Don't know what to make of that." Hello, Jay and Robert. Chase the Night Cleaner here, uh, here to fill your email section with distraction and that sweet loving feeling because who doesn't need some more loving in their email section? So let's get the oh, passion yeah. into you both. Twist it around a bit just to see how it feels and then jump into this email. I'm, I'm uncomfortable so far. First off, Robert, I think you are the king of video games, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't even really have to qualify this as your work speaks for itself. There are so many episodes of the show where it just happens. It really struck home last episode when you really put your guests on the spot as you bomb as you bombarded Discord with whatever dirty filth your mind could imagine and find with a Google search. I've been on the receiving end of this process, and I must say that you are very quick to it and loud once you deliver. See also episode 117 of the show where you post an inappropriate image of Zangief in the no, chat window no. as I'm trying to talk about a game and completely demolish me mid-sentence. But you know what? I'm okay with it, Robert. I think maybe you ought to have your freak flag, wave your freak flag, high fraud to see, own it, brother. I vaguely remember that on the episode that we had Chase on finding some sort of Zangief picture. I've sort of kind of remember that. That said, yeah. Jay, I can only imagine what horrors you have witnessed. I would hug you, but I might be contagious. Which brings me to my question of the day. What was the longest, hardest, most deeply penetrating game you have ever had to grit your teeth and power your way through to completion? That's so funny. Good. I like this question. Uh, oh, geez. That's a good one, though. Uh Golly. Oh, oh, okay. A hundred percent. No doubt about it. Mine is Shenmue. It's fucking terrible. I played through the whole thing. The definitely the longest I've ever spent playing a fucking bad game, but, uh, I had to do it. And I just spread it out over a very, very long time. But yeah, that's, uh, definitely the longest, hardest, most boring, just, just grit your teeth and bear it type game that i've played how about you jay final fantasy 8 was definitely that i mean these are a bunch from our list tonight kingdom hearts 2 is that for the beginning i didn't beat either of those games i tried to to kind of force it i'm trying to think of like the biggest one there, there i know there's one that i've tried a few times to play through I'm trying to think about i mean Marwin? those are two that Morrowind is fun i mean well, yeah, that I is a game that i actually enjoy yeah, yeah that eventually. i can enjoy kingdom hearts 2 is just like you think it's gonna get better after 10 hours and then it just kind of is okay. Final Fantasy VIII, again, you think it's going to get better after the intro, and then it just gets kind of okay. I think Final Fantasy VIII is the one that I probably put the most effort into trying to like. Because I, I, for me, it's like every Final Fantasy game has some sort of redeeming quality to it uh -huh. that I can at least appreciate enough to get through it. But eight was the exception to me. Maybe I just didn't get far enough in, which, goddamn, that's crazy, because I got pretty far into that game. Um, but I think I got the second disc because I think there's four discs for it. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably my best example, which I would like to think of something different since we've already talked about this in the episode tonight. 
but that's probably the best example I can think of for the amount of time that I put into it. Okay. Uh, for me, it was my first time playing a Dragon Quest. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven or Dragon Warrior Seven on the PS One was one long ass JRPG with a lot of story pauses and a battle system that you couldn't even engage with until almost two hours. Excuse me, until almost two hours in. No matter how hard I I played with it in parentheses the battle system. I couldn't get it to initiate. The battles just weren't coming up, which is just such a weird way to start a love story with such a classic JRPG series. I mean, looking back, I can confirm what I enjoy that I enjoyed the experience, but I also remember it being painful, a bit embarrassing, and that I really could have done so much better. I guess I was just desperate to see what everyone else was talking about as this game's release was a big deal. And that is it for this in no way sexually coded email. I hope you both enjoyed yourselves as much as I did. Don't worry about cleaning the mess. Oh my god! Take it I too mean, that's far. His job, right? <laughs> that's what he says. He said that's what they pay me for. <laughs> yeah. Cheers and play again soon, Chase and I later. Thank you, Chase. It's awesome. Appreciate it as always. Last one. This is from our uh, friend Jeff. You mind taking this one? No, 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 as long as it'll work for me. My computer's like dying right now, so like I, I can hear some of the things you're saying, but also um, it's like every once in a while you'll just cut out for a few seconds. So okay. I might try to keep up. Okay. Uh, Jeff says, How dear hello dear I said how dear friends. Hello dear friends, how the heck are you? This email may be a bit unfocused and scattershot because it has been a while since I have emailed, and usually I have some notes or ideas, but I just feel like it'd been too long since I've emailed, so I'm gl- going to be straight off the top of the dome. In non-gaming news, I would love a Neon Genesis Evangelion series or discussion. Excuse me, I had never seen it until it came out on Netflix, but damn, did it grab me! I loved it so much. I w- it was so deep and complex and confusing in all the right ways. End of Evangel. How do you say that word? Evangelion. Evangel- Evangelion. Uh, yeah. yeah. Evangelion was yeah. abstract and weird, and I could not get it out of my head. I watched the whole series through twice and listened to two podcasts that dissect it. But I wish I could dive deeper into it. I recommend the podcast Sound Only on the Ring. Hey, listen, what, are you advertising for other podcasts? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Sound Only on the Ringer.com if anybody is interested. The first episode is a bit rough, then they find the rhythm. The other one is. I liked was. Yeah, right. The other one I liked was Sync Ratios. It was more in depth and informative, but the hosts were good, not great. And they talk about horror movies and Shin Godzilla way too much. Wow, I love horror movies. I love uh, okay, horror Alundra. movies and Godzilla. I, I might have to check this one out and, and Evangelion. I'll pass on Godzilla. Uh, they go on to say, okay, Alundra, this is one of my most hated games. As I have heard before, hate is not the opposite of love. Apathy is. When I hate a game, it is usually because it had a lot of promise or crushed my expectations. I hate Final Fantasy VIII. Thank you. Uh, I had high hopes and actually enjoyed most of it. Then the whole orphanage scene happened and there was there was the ridiculous reveal that they had all known each other their whole lives, <laughs> but conveniently forgot that they knew each other because of gfs but remember and a gfs is like it's not girlfriends it's something else it's like god friends or i forget what it is oh, god force i forget what it is it's something stupid god uh anyway uh, it's something stupid i remember it's <laughs> it's like i can't remember what it is it's really stupid. i really hope anyway, that's it uh but remember it's seemingly seemingly everything else then there's chrono cross with beautiful beautiful visuals incredible music and intriguing plot but way too many characters that don't get developed corny and not funny writing at all and then the intriguing plot becomes completely 
convoluted un and unintelligible. So back to Alundra. I had heard high praise, and it started off okay. Yes, the dialogue was pretty cheesy, and the plot was pretty cliche, but it was pretty fun and seemed like it would get interesting. But there's one thing it doesn't. <laughs> interesting. Uh, that's why I wanted to know if Jay had stuck with it. Besides that, the broke as hell uh, dash into the air jump mechanic with unnecessarily precise jumping puzzle frustrated me, frustrated me to no end. I hate Alundra. I hate it because it got me to think it would be good and stick with it for a while, uh, quite a while before it ended up being total trash. Also, the dialogue is total is childish. I'm tr give me one second. I want I, I can't remember what game this is, so I'm gonna Google it real quick. And my you played this like three, like two or three episodes ago. Yeah, give me one second to pull it up. I uh, my memory is just amazing. So it's a PS1 um, RPG. I, I think, think I know what game this is, but I just want to make sure. I it's think an action RPG. Right oh, this game. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. This game is very fun. Oh, you liked it? Yeah, the dashing mechanic is really fun. It, I liked it. I mean, it was it wasn't the best thing I've ever played, but it was it was it was enjoyable. It was better than I expected going into it, but I didn't have like high expectations in going into it. Um, yeah, the jump dash mechanic is really broken. I remember just spamming the shit out of that. Um, oh God, for Robert, <laughs> dead or alive, extreme beach beach volleyball. <laughs> Once upon a time, this married man with three kids was a single person with disposable income and free time. Uh, with more free time than I know it than I knew what to do with. I pre-ordered this game. I'm not gonna say it again. Uh, that's right. And I have only pre-ordered maybe six or seven games in my life. It was actually pretty <laughs> fun, but it. very limited. Oh, God. The volleyball was fun, and long before the era of paying for upgrades on mobile games, it hooked me with trying to save up for the next bikini to see Kasumi. In. <laughs> there was a very One of us! One of us! Don't encourage him. Uh, there was a bravery time where I learned what hentai was, and I... One of us! Like... What, oh my god, seemed like exactly what I would like. After all, I loved anime and attractive women, so what could be better? Well, I bought a high DVD. Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? I love that he's just admitting this to the world. Good lord. <laughs> Alright, well. <laughs> bought a high DVD on eBay. Would you like to read it? Go, you, no, you go ahead, you go ahead. Oh my god, I just read the next line. All right, well, I haven't read it yet. I, I'm waiting. Sense, I apologize for those of uh, sensitive ears. Uh, he says, well, I bought a hentai DVD on eBay, and let me tell you, I did not like hentai. <laughs> it made me feel very uncomfortable, and my dick could not have been less <laughs> I felt bad even for buying it. This isn't, a ju this isn't judgmental on people who like hentai. It's totally fine. <laughs> just Thanks. not my thing. Anyhow, stop, Robert. Extreme speed is <laughs> my thing. It kind of makes me think what I would like, to, what I would think of a game like Honey Pop. Oh God! Uh, if I didn't think my wife would literally kill me, I would give it a try. But it's honestly not worth it. The volleyball game was pretty fun in uh, in a simple, mindless, addictive way, and I absolutely had to keep buying every bikini for Kasumi. In parentheses, my waifu. That is not me talking. <laughs> the best aspect of the entire entire game was that i could put my own music from my cds to be the background music for the game this is before ipods were even popular and way before streaming music so the whole idea was novel to me yeah there were some xbox games that you could uh, there there were quite a few xbox games that, that that allowed you to do that oh yeah i would use my ps2 to play music at times as well you can't oh, play really? games the same. yeah yeah but uh, i would definitely use it no on, on xbox you could load your music onto the xbox and then some games could use those as the music for the game yeah no, i agree with that it was cool. Um, 
I love this. How he, I love this notion of him being like, I'm really into this, I guess. I got I need to I guess I just need I guess the thing I need to do is buy a hentai DVD from eBay and then him being like, let's put this bad boy in and then just being like God. What the fuck is this? <laughs> That's crazy. I can't believe you actually bought a DVD because I mean uh, for me it was like I looked at it on the internet one time and I'm like, Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> Within like thirty seconds I'm like, Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> that fast, huh? Yeah, I came that quick. It was insane. <laughs> Uh, top five games that are slow to start but end up kicking ass. Metal Gear Solid 3. This is on a lot of lists that I read online, actually. Uh, oh, okay. Which I haven't played I the game, so I didn't, I didn't want to talk to it. Uh, Everybody I Trust says it's a 10 out of 10, but I couldn't get past the first parts without killing the scientist. I believe you all. Sorry to let you down. Number four, Super Mario Brothers 2. It isn't slow to start, but it does get better in a meaningful way the more you play and learn secrets and shortcuts. Yeah. That's true. I can understand that. Listen, I love, I love uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. Mm. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup. Really, this applies to any traditional roguelikes. They are tough to learn and get good at, but the more you play, the more you learn, and the more fun you have. Dark Souls, or number two, excuse me, Dark Souls. This game is fun at the very beginning, which is basically the like a tutorial, but once you get to the open part of the game, oh boy, there is one hell of a learning curve on the game. It is very difficult, and there are different lessons you have to learn. Everyone struggles with different things, whether it's learning to battle without locking on or getting the hang of rolling, dodging. But it hits certain points where everything clicks and it becomes so rewarding and satisfying in a way that very few games are. Dark Souls might be the only game that I started over immediately after the first time I beat it. It feels really good to realize how much progress, how much you have progressed when you can breeze through the sections where you previously struggled. Struggled uh, mightily. Mightily, excuse me. Number one. Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. This game is a little bit of an oddball. It has a mechanic I have never seen in any game that you have to mess around with to, to, a bit to get used to. It is an RPG with awesome battle system that gives you points each turn to use balanced between movements and actions, magic or attack, and then there's a combo system. That alone is tough to figure out, but very fun and rewarding. The hardest part to grasp, uh, however, is the roguelike aspect. You can gain both experience for you your, uh, for you, I guess maybe say I your think it for your characters, yeah, yeah, uh, and party experience that you can either give to a character or store. If you uh, have a full party wipe over at the very beginning with all the characters at level one and all items, but you keep, uh, but you keep party XP and any items you put into the locker. It's a bit like Chocobo Dungeon Two. Good choice. Uh, every time you game over or complete the game, your rank improves based on your performance in certain aspects. That opens new areas of the game and new customers that reveal more story. It's complicated, but so rewarding. I thought it was okay with the, when I first played it, but when I replayed it a few years ago, I fell in love with it. It's pretty cheap on eBay if you're quarantined with some extra time on your hands oh, and sounds happened. intriguing. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it more highly. Yeah, that, that, that aligns with our top five. All right. Uh, Jeff goes on to say... Say that again. I said, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, other recommendations, if anybody is out of work or school and has extra time in their hands, best podcasts like this one are How Did This Get Made? Very funny. And Binge Mode. Binge Mode is, a, is deep diving into all the things Star Wars right now. But they have a backlog that includes super funny analysis of Game of Thrones, the book and shows, and Harry Potter. I'm currently rereading Harry Potter, which, get, which gets better the more I read it and the older I get. I will say I, I, I reread Harry Potter two years ago, probably. I, I read it like three times through and through. 
it is. I really like the reads. I watched the movie. I was in the hospital uh, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and I rewatched the entire series. And all it did was made me want to reread the books because oh, really? the movies are good for what they are. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the old argument. You know, what's better, a book or a movie? They they cut out so much that it it, it doesn't feel nearly as emotionally impactful if it was more drawn out. I feel like the movies were good, but they could have done a better job. An extended TV series, I think, would, would do justification for it. That's how I feel about yeah. most hentai. Spit. Uh, Jeff goes on to say, and listening through their Harry Potter episodes for the second time, Cowboy Bebop is the best anime, yes it is, yeah. ever, and it has a live-action remake coming out soon. Yeah, I'm sorry, I won't. I cannot imagine that being anything good. I, I rewatched the show recently. I rewatched the show recently. Still holds up. Incredible music. Incredible dialogue. Great story. Great action. Still just the best. It's so good. Agreed on all counts. As already mentioned, Neon uh, Genesis Evangelion. Um, it's fucked up and weird, but now it seems like a good time to contemplate the meaning of life and your place in the world. If you love reading and have way too much time, the, the Wheel of Time series is a bit bloated, but try, uh, but tying it to the top five. I've heard very good things about that from a lot of my friends what who is read it? fantasy. What is also, it? Wheel of Time series. The oh, gentleman okay. who wrote it is very highly regarded within the fantasy community as well. I believe this is a series. I believe the gentleman who wrote it passed away before he finished it because I, I want to say he he there's like there's supposed to be fifteen books and he finished twelve of them and somebody else is finishing it and they're doing a good job. Uh, I think that's the series, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get through the first 200 pages of the first book, it ramps up and is deep and enthralling. Could be more concise, but I love it all the same. Buy Super Nintendo Classic and play Super Metroid, Link to the Past, Earthbound, and Super Mario World. Those are all really good recommendations. Uh, you are getting four of the best games ever made and some of the other solid titles for less than $100. Just do it. Especially if you not got, never got around to Earthbound. Wow, Jeff, you are the champ. Wait, where did this? I don't understand his. I don't understand why he's all of a sudden telling us to buy Super Nintendo games. What, what he's saying if you haven't done this, he's saying if you have free time because of okay, what's going on right okay, now. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Um, he said other recommendations is if anybody is out of school and has extra time in their hands. Uh, Jeff finishes by saying thanks to the podcast. Thanks to all the awesome emailers. You guys rock. Jeffrey, P.S. Do not ever bring Blake back. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That is the first time we've ever heard that. Usually it's the opposite. That's funny. All right. Uh, so uh, real quick, he wa he said he wanted an in-depth Neon Genesis Evangelion discussion. I don't know if I can offer that necessarily. You, have you watched the show? <clears throat> Which one? Neon Genesis Evangelion. No, I haven't watched it. Okay, so you don't really have much to say then. Uh, no, I've heard good things. Yeah, it's super good. I actually watched the series, um, just the original one. I haven't watched the end of Evangelion or anything like that. That he like he mentioned watching some of the other stuff, but uh, I rewatched the well. I had, I know I had seen the both of the movies before. I don't remember if I had actually seen the the full original series. I don't think I had, but I actually did did watch this whole thing recently uh, myself, and uh, I fucking loved it too. I thought it was awesome. It's like he says, it's really weird, but it's also really cool and fun, and uh, you know it's got a lot of depth to it. And a lot of it is is kind of like what. Like you know what the what the hell is supposed to be going on here type stuff, but there also is plenty of like Black Mirror almost. <clears throat> um, no, kind of like typical uh. anime, like confusing for the sake of confusing. Um, however, okay. I, however, I I wouldn't. That's that's selling it short. It's it kind of like borders on confusing for the sake of confusing. 
but I think it still does always kind of retain a point, but it does get a little bit like, you know, there, there could be a better way to communicate this type thing in, okay. in, in some situations. Um, but, but I, it sounds like I don't like it. I really, really did love it. I just felt like, uh, some of the stuff was a little bit purposefully vague and it could have, you know, easily been, ex- been explained a little bit more. Um, but then at the end it just gets like, kind of goes super off the wall in kind of a different way where it's like, it's weird. The, the whole series is crazy. It's got crazy giant monsters and stuff. Um, and then at the end, the, I don't want to give much away, but the last two episodes are much more kind of mundane, but, but also the plot of them is much more confusing than the rest of it. So, uh, hmm. it's, it's, it's really an interesting and a really, really cool show. Uh, one of my favorite animes as well. Um, it, it'll either, honestly, it would have to either be this or Cowboy Bebop. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't really have much to offer in the sense of, uh, in-depth discussion, but I'll just say I, I really loved it too. I love how the, uh, the angels, which are, they're kind of a cross between giant mechs, but they're also organic. So they're like living things as well that, uh, <laughs> the, that these kids pilot, um, they are like super kind of just creepy in the way that they like act sometimes is really, uh, unsettling. It's, okay. uh, it's just, I, yeah, I don't have much more to say about it besides those two things. I think it's really cool. I think the, 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 the way that they approach those are, is really interesting. And this, the design of the whole show is really awesome. And, uh, yeah, I love it as well. Cool. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Sorry for yeah, the very, you, sorry for the very inadequate discussion of, um, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to spend any time on current gaming subcast. Anything you want to say there, Jay? Hey, here's my magic three. Okay. Um, oh, which by the way, as I was playing, um, railroad tycoon two, <laughs> I forgot to mention this. I posted this on Twitter. So some of y'all probably already saw it. Uh, every once in a while, uh, a, a newspaper will pop up, like just telling what's going on. Kind of like Sim city style, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the one I got, one I got today while I was playing was this. It says oh, it's no, got no, like no. a headline, and then it's got like a little smaller headline off to the side: "Toilet paper shortage, stock up now." Oh no! Oh no! Stop. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it was ahead of its time. All right. Our next top five is top five games to play when you have too much time to play games, a.k.a. top five games to sink tons of time into, you know, kind of take it however you want. You can, there's no real criteria for this. Just, it, just what I just said, do the games that you think fit that description the best. Most importantly, we have game of the quarter coming up next episode. Oh yeah. That is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Play it, write us in. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Tell us what you think of it. We will both be playing it and discussing it on the next episode as well. As I said at the beginning of the episode, we may possibly do the next episode in two weeks from now. I'm not sure if we're going to try to do a little earlier, uh, depending on if we have you know some extra time. Uh, we might do the next one in two weeks, or it might be three weeks from now. So if you want to make sure you get your email in, do it uh, before... 
March 31st is when we are potentially recording. But if it's not that, then it'll be April 7th. Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends to listen to us. It'll really help us out a lot. Uh, follow us at Class Games Cast. You can follow me. I'm at King Octavius. Uh, a quick reminder, we are part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Check out all their shows as well. And um, I guess we'll be back in a few, in two or three weeks. Jay, you got anything else to, uh, did I miss anything? Stay away from people. That's a, that's very good advice, actually. That's it. Let's leave it at that. <laughs>